0: Welcome to Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. Got a great episode for you today with my friend and medical student, J.P. Scott. Before we get started, I want to remind you that I just released a children's book. This book is most age-appropriate for ages 5 through 12, grades 1 through 6. This is a book that introduces mental health concepts to kids, teaches them coping mechanisms, meditation, and normalizing the experience of going to see a doctor. To learn more about this book, you can find it on my website, logannoon.com dude we're just gonna talk um just two dudes that met via instagram we've never met um and quite frankly i could not be more excited to talk to you this evening uh (laughs) you know i've I've, you know we're both med students i did my homework okay let's (laughs) say my friend i did my homework okay (laughs) okay and i guess you know, I th- I'm just really excited for this conversation, let's say. I have a lot of questions that I'm really excited to dive into you. I actually don't even know, do you like to be called Jeremy or JP?
1: Uh, It's fine. It's whatever you feel comfortable with. I've been called a lot worse. Uh, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, like JP or... Um- uh jeremy's fine Uh, yeah we'll we'll do jp that jp is
0: fine jp is i mean i'm probably going to use uh the both interchangeably but so let's really get a proper introduction for you i kind of stumble myself into the start of every podcast it's more fun that way yeah um but so i kind of i think i connected with you through at freud and fashion dr Mm minipod i I think i'm hoping i'm pronouncing that right um And so you're also a med student. You go Mm -hmm. to Ross University. Um, You graduated from BC Mm -hmm. in, uh, what was it, 2009? I graduated Mm -hmm. Holy Cross in 2011. So we were actually in the same kind of general vicinity for that period. Uh, You got your master's degree at University of Hartford in neuroscience. You were a professor for a little while. You worked in retail. Then you ended up in medical school. And now where are you? Um,
1: So, yeah, only little thing to add is then I did research for a little bit I did cancer research in Philadelphia and then I started uh my med school um damn yeah in addition to all
0: the things I I listed yeah oh you forgot the cancer research sorry research at
1: the Wistar Institute the good one right there Uh, dude hell yeah that's
0: very cool very very cool um
1: and so now I am back home I am a third year medical student I just finished my Internal Medicine um, Foundation uh, rotation in Florida, so I was down there in um, around Miramar, around around uh, Miami area. Um, and now I'm back home. We have to do online uh, electives right now because the hospital hospitals affiliated with um, with our school are operating somewhat around, I think, like a 35% capacity. They said for. Wow allowing medical students. So it's a huge backlog. Um, and so that's where we are at the moment, unfortunately, uh, just because of everything that's going on with COVID. Um, so yeah. feel
0: your pain, man. I mean, that's what, uh, my third year was kind of like, so I'm a fourth year now. Um, Mm -hmm. and my, we had about six months online and now it's finally just getting started again. Um, man, dude, I just hope you guys can get back in the hospital as, as soon as possible so did, have you done any hospital or it's been strictly online
1: no it was hospital so that's what i did it for eight weeks okay. we were down well i won't tell everybody where we were but we were we were in a a hospital down in florida um so yeah no it was seeing patients going in doing the rounds doing all of of those things and it was great because it's like you get a little taste of them like oh yeah this is great i love it this is where i'm meant to be and then you're like okay no you're going back home and you're going back online and this is what you're doing and you're like Okay. Yeah. So a, a part of it is just adjusting, you know, I'm sure you heard a lot of this, be flexible, be very yes. flexible. Over yes, over and
0: over again. Like and we're
1: a Cirque du Soleil performer.
0: <laughs> and I feel like there's so many aspects of medical school where because of COVID people are missing those like essential rite of passage med student pass, regardless of what, what, area of medicine you want to go into, you know you need those things like i was actually so looking forward to delivering a baby this year and i had to do uh, O B G Y N online
1: i would actually not mind doing that though <laughs> <laughs> personally i think i'm okay with that one um yeah i'm okay with that one but i agree especially for a caribbean medical student and, I, and i'm an img so for a lot of them they are getting to do medical school at home and through a computer, I'm like, "Mm, a part of being an IMG and the, the things that we learn that I think make us resilient is that fact of having to go to another country to do medical school in a foreign place and the demands of that and the rigors of that, I think there is something that we 100% learn and and it teaches us and gives us an advantage over US medical stu- uh, school students. So I think there's that. Same with like anatomy, like some of the kids are like, they don't do anatomy, they're not even cutting into bodies. And I'm just like, you need to know what that experience is. Um, and like I said, touching and talking to patients and doing all of that, It's it is, the fundamentals of what we do in medicine uh, is connecting uh, with patients, with people. That's what we do. So it's um, a very new way of learning and going about things. I will be happy when it is over. <laughs> yes. Uh, be, I, I will be happy. Yes. And like one of, over.
0: you know, I know you're very comfortable talking about the mental health experience of medical school. One mm. of the thoughts I've had a lot this year is it's like, oh, because of COVID, because I haven't had these rites of passage uh, experiences, am I going to be as good of a doctor now because of this? Mm. Am I going not going to be as good as some of my peers who are ahead of me or maybe coming up behind me and they can have maybe a, a more normal? And mm. my buddy kind of said one of the most funny things to me. He goes, dude, you know the old saying, you learn everything in residency anyway. <laughs>
1: hey, hey, you, you learn as you go. That's what my mother, my mother is an internal medicine physician. And so yeah. a lot of it, she's like, Oh, don't worry i was like ma this kind of sucks and this is what she's like don't worry it's gonna come she's like you will <laughs> learn every single thing and it's she said but it's trial by fire that's what medicine is she said it's not necessarily knowing everything it's trusting in the fact that you will be able to learn you're still interested and you know willing to and engaged enough to learn. She said, because there's things, even as, a, as an attending physician, she's like, I don't know. She said, I just simply trust in myself that I will figure it out and I will adapt. She said, that is what medicine is. So you are learning how to adapt in a time when she's like, I don't. nobody could have seen this. Nobody Mm -hmm. could have foreseen this nor what effect it's going to have. She said, but think about it this way. She said, you know what it's like to do telemed online and you know how to pick that up. She said, compared to your attending like me or older, they're like, this technology and how does it work she said so it's a trade-off she said this is what medicine is it evolves it evolves with the times it evolves with what is happening and this is what your reality is she said but you'll get it don't you worry
0: <laughs> yeah well and then so i i like to kind of joke about how i think me and you right now are doing some of the best things to prep for our future careers podcasting getting used to podcasting and talking over this weird kind of virtual space It. You can make it still feel intimate and somewhat normal normal Uh, and get the job done yes normal i you know i would greatly prefer if me and you could do a podcast right now in person and cheers and whatever but hey this is this is a good substitute and i'm still totally uh acceptable to me so real quick real quick before i want to get to the meat of this podcast what area of medicine are do you think you're interested in
1: oh See, it's funny because I think if it was before my rotation, I would have said one thing. And now after it, it is completely kind of okay. slightly changed. Um, I've always loved pediatrics. A part of me always knows and will have to do something with children. Um, I love working with children. I love their hopefulness. I love the purpose of working with children. So I know in whatever field I do, it's going to have to be something involving children. Okay. Um, so I still love and I think I like medpeds. I think that is something I'm really interested in. Uh, EM has taken my heart, though. Um, EM is something that has really been, like, after my rotation, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm loving this.
0: I had to do that Uh, online as well. And I... I,
1: See, that I don't want to do. That I I, I cannot. It sucked. Um, I, I, I need to get back in there. Um, and then psych. And I think I would love to see what my, I'm excited for my psych rotation. I really am excited to see what Are that, you just
0: saying that because you're on Talk Mental Health with Logan News? N- n-
1: absolutely not. I think all my friends okay, have good. gone through psych, they're like, you may be good at this. And I'm like, okay, I just want to see what it's like. Um, and I'm interested in, in seeing that. So those would be my three right now. I think, yeah, MedPeds, EM, Psych. And I think that would be it for right now. I think those are the things that have gotten my heart thus far
0: interesting interesting yeah i've now i can totally see that and you know i'm of course biased i you know what i want you to go into uh, um
1: well you want to be a pga you know a a pga psych uh that would be great though that would be a child
0: psychiatrist and a child adolescent uh fellowship and it's it's very strange in the world of psychiatry it's you know if you can catch these diseases early, you can lead mm. to better outcomes so much, mm. so much better and more often of the time. And I think if that interests you, if you look at like how you can really impact someone's life, I would always argue psychiatry is the biggest.
1: Uh, not, to, not that you're biased. Not that I'm you're, a little
0: biased. biased, but you yeah. know, now I actually, funny you mentioned the whole uh, wanting to help kids thing. I, this past, I literally yesterday released the children's book with my mom. About um, it's about introducing mental health concepts to kids, and like coping oh, mechanisms, great. and yeah, I'm super stoked about it. And that's it's great. great. It's I guess for the listeners, it's age uh, five through twelve, grades one through six. Um, just go on logannew.com. You can find it really easily. But uh, so I'm super excited about it. And through this process of trying to talk about mental health
2: mm. to
0: a to a seven-year-old has Mm -hmm. been the most challenging interesting thing for me and i so i was listening to your podcast today when you were on surviving medicine and you said one of the Uh most important things about being a good doctor was being able to explain really complicated things to in simple ways Mm
2: -hmm. and i always
0: think of like you know i don't know if you're the office fan like michael like he's like okay explain it to me like i'm six okay now explain it to me like i'm five and like trying to like think of these really complicated things in basic basic terms that a seven-year-old can understand because when i originally wrote the story i was trying i said words like depression and anxiety Mm. and my so my mom's an elementary art teacher and she was like what the the, you can't do this she's like what what? no they don't know that exactly and Mm. i i'd been sharing my story for so long i can i can you know do it with my eyes closed almost now in front of a crowd kind of thing Mm. and she was like you have to think about how a seven-year-old thinks. And that's, we have to use the word kind of like feelings, blue, like kind of angry is one you can kind of get away with.
2: Mm-hmm. But so we
0: we tried to introduce breathing kind of concepts, as mm-hmm. well as like exercising to try to improve kind of your state of mind. And also the comfor- comfortable aspect of going to see a doctor, you know, because me and you both know, there's like an, the additional stigma of going to see a psych doctor. Yeah. So we we tried to almost normalize that experience of kids having to go see uh, an endocrinologist versus a psychiatrist kind of thing. It's been one of the most fun experiences, and I might want to be a child psychiatrist now.
1: That's That's incredible, because it is. It's about... And I look at all the things that we have with adults and the care that we have to deal with adults. I said, if you can teach a child to advocate for themselves in their own health, they become an advocated adult and they know how to do the same thing. So it starts from that point where it's it's okay. This is okay for you to feel this way to use this language? Do you understand what that is? Because then they feel empowered to come and speak to and seek help and to to do the things that, again, it gets rid of the stigma. Because that's a part of what it is, whether it's overall mental health, then you can throw cultural on top of it. Let's say mental health in the Black community, for example. Those conversations have to happen, and they aren't happening. And the reason they're not happening with adults is because they aren't happening with children and as children and it's not being said that that's okay. And that's one of the things that we have to do. I think from a, from a healthcare perspective is that you have to start instilling those things early. So they just become habitual, just like brushing your teeth and taking a shower. If you're feeling this way, what do you do? Stop. What are you feeling? How are you feeling? Why now? What can we do about it? what do you have the power of controlling what do you not and then what resources do you have and that is i think so powerful and like you said when you you see it in the faces of children that's that's to me everything because Mm. that is possibility that is hope that is a lifetime of them being able to be them their best selves because they've learned these things and they are, are given the tools to do it. And that's what I tell everybody what mental health is and therapy and all these things. I said, it's just tools. I said, it's learning tools for you to navigate the intricacies and difficulties of life that we all are having, that everybody's going through. Some are biologic that you did not ask for. Some are things that you, you, you can control, but it's tools. And there is no shame in that there should not be any shame in that which obviously we know that there 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 is but i love it it just that brings me so much joy now now i'm thinking child psych you see how quickly i can just well okay
0: just and so let me plead my case for then 30 more seconds Mm. so i i i think i understand at least some of the appeal of er and you mentioned you know peds um Peds meds. One of my best friends is trying to pursue the same thing. I I can, it's, it's very interesting, super cool. Mm. And I think of the aspects of medicine, it's one of those instant gratification kind of fields as well. Like ICU, ER, you do interventions, give meds, do whatever. Right. You can change someone's life in fricking two seconds moment, mm. you know, potentially. But so my, my really, understanding of psychiatry now that if you can really truly not cure manage these conditions and mm-hmm. really change them and 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 help them kind of or will not mm-hmm. even necessarily help them give them tools to have them help themselves These right. individuals who live with mental health conditions and i think we all live with mental health challenges.
1: we all
2: do absolutely
0: so if you can achieve that what society what that person what everyone around them gains is i think so much greater than that instant moment because you can change not just that person's life but that person's relationship with every single person around them as a family their ability to make friends ability to function at Mm. school work you know be, the government be able to pay taxes right go to work right. and all these things and so that's what pumps me up about psychiatry and i'm going to pester you now for the next two years <sighs> to do this because you're graduating yeah. what a year after me or i guess a well, year and a half well Oh,
1: one, one oh we'll see what happens with the,
0: the oh no no, no. Uh, i'm sorry but like when you have to pick a residency is what i'm thinking oh yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and yeah hopefully I don't know if 2022 will happen at this point. I don't even know, but we'll find out. We we shall we shall see. Um, They're going to keep
0: but, pumping us through the system. It's fine. They just want our cash at the next I, 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 one. IMGs are a little bit different, but I'm hoping- Is it really? We're, we're gonna,
1: Damn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I, because of just the- we. Are, I will exhaust my online. Like, you can only do so many online. And so mm. if we exhaust it, then you're just sitting. So that's the yeah. other thing, too. So you have a very small window um, of operating that it's like, you may gra- i mean i will graduate in 2022 i don't know if i'll make the match i'm i'm thinking that i won't um Damn, man. but but you know what there there are reasons why we go through what we go through if i've been through category five hurricanes transplant to knoxville barbados now a health pandemic come on now look yeah. you know at, at this yeah. point that's no big know, deal <laughs> What are we gonna do at this point? So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm. You are making me consider it, which my mother reminds me that she wanted psych when she, you know, first started going through. So she's like, honey It's just your calling. It's in your blood. It's this is this is is, what it is. Uh, But it it does. You you bring up really great points. Like those are the things. And I the the thing that I was told, and the best thing that I give anybody advice about is, can you love it in the everyday? So I'm excited to see what it's like in the everyday. Because ER, you know, med peds, you can fall in love with cases, and those Mm -hmm. are moments. But Can you see yourself doing this and loving it every single day like a true relationship like you love your wife, not necessarily in the trips to Disney World and the vacations that's expected. You love her in the everyday moments when you come home and, you know, you're tired and she's like, here's your favorite, this, mm. here is that, I did this. So um, that's the thing. The one piece of advice, my mother was like, you know, make sure you can love it in the everyday and that's when you know, it's what's meant for you. But it sounds, it sounds good right now.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I really, I mean, we've talked what for 20 minutes now, You're <laughs> I know you're going to be good at it. And I think the day to day isn't so much the challenge necessarily, but it's, I make a lot of sports analogies. You have to be willing to strike out a lot. And, Mm. you know, unfortunately, the state of psychiatry, addiction, you know, mental illness, whatever, we fail a lot. And, you know, Mm. these people don't always get better, you -hmm. know, overdoses, whatever. We all know Mm. and are affected by it. And Mm. so that's what I think about. And what family,
3: it looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad
0: it's really mm. almost helped me oddly enough is golf because golf mm. I, I do golf at all you went to the Caribbean I hope you went out there no
1: I play tennis I did okay. tennis, okay. but I did not
0: do golf yeah I can't do golf do, can't the do tennis is actually you naturally can develop a pretty good golf swing because it's the same as like a top spin so if you do okay. top spin down top and try to like put a little curve on it trust me dude we'll eventually go on the golf course okay. and I, I've I actually bet I never can been. okay we'll make, <laughs> we'll make it happen we'll make it happen I never anticipated us to talk 20 minutes about med school, um, even before the inter- the, um, the questions I had prepared. So uh, hopefully you're not doing anything tonight. Cause I'm oh, no, no, this, we're yeah.
1: oh, no, we're good.
0: So this is actually one of the, I tried a video podcast last night. This is my second video podcast ever. Okay. So, you know, if you're watching this online, you know that uh, what Jeremy looks like for people listening, like, so how, how do you identify, how, how do you look? I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> for
1: them. I'm, a, I'm a black guy. <laughs> I'm a I'm a black male.
0: Uh, yeah. oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That was super awkward, and I apologize. <laughs> yeah, but,
1: but this is the thing that I. But it's important because that's one of those things. And I said this to on another podcast. I said if you by my name, you would not know.
2: There's yes, no I've indicator. You that,
1: yeah. You you There is no indicator, which again, there's a reason for that because we know what stigma comes with you know a name that may sound black um and in this country so my name jeremy scott sounds nothing i don't think necessarily i sound you know, like i give any type of if i was drinking you would know that i have southern parents and southern roots because the southern comes out <laughs> okay. but, I,
0: uh, but i hope to yeah, see that one day <laughs>
1: yeah that that comes out a lot my parents are like good god honey i, like, <laughs> I know uh, but but otherwise you wouldn't necessarily hear anything that would give you necessarily a qualifier or -hmm. identification. And I think that that's important. And it's also something that, to be honest, it's something that I've worked on in my life, that you know that these are those type of things that you have to make sure are neutral um, to try and take away any sort of stigma, bias, up until that point when, okay, this is not a tan. It's it's my skin. And it goes all over, um, and what may come with that. So, absolutely. So, but I love when people ask that question because, well, like, <laughs> and
0: and you know what? I heard you say this with Dr. Menopod, how when we talk about race, especially me and you, and for if the listeners they don't know, I'm a white boy from Connecticut, and what part of Connecticut? And- Hold on, I didn't know that. Because you don't know yeah. live in Connecticut. Dude, I'm yeah, talking Burnin, to you yeah. from Litchfield, Connecticut right now.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Have you been? You know, I lived in Vernon. I lived in, of course, I lived in Vernon. I didn't I used know to work in, okay. Yeah, I used to work in Yale, do retail at Yale, but like all of that and where the University of Hartford, yeah, all over. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Yeah. I was yeah, like right I, by Ryan's it, Deli.
0: Dude, very One, cool. Very cool. Yeah. I don't know those exact regions, but yeah, dude, you know the good old state of CT? Yes, um, the yeah. You know, the good and the bad. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just back here for like a month kind of thing doing one rotation okay. over here. Um, okay. But so, you know, going back. So Sorry. I heard you say on Dr. Menopause podcast about how when me and you who are come from different ethnic backgrounds,
2: mm-hmm.
0: talk about these things, especially me in my position, mm-hmm. I just have to put myself in a place where I of utmost respect, but also willing to make mistakes and learn. That's, mm-hmm. that's at least how I interpreted what you were saying. Yeah. And I, I think, that's something I always want to strive to kind of do. So it's kind of funny that talking about that, I did have kind of like, I don't even know how to like introduce this awkward moment, (laughs) but that's, I feel like as a white guy, that's, I have to keep trying to do these things because as a white person, like white people don't sit around and talk about race that much. And like, you know, we, we as white, no. But like, as a person growing up, white you know Mm -hmm. we all are disgusted with aspects of racism and and you know not all of you
1: not not all of you not all of you
0: and that's what i'm saying but you know my surroundings and just like your immediate surroundings almost my family my friend's family are very you know democratic in a sense or whatever like sit on one side of the aisle and so it's almost hard to imagine people who look exactly like me thinking so incredibly different than I think kind Mm -hmm. of thing. But still it's, it's just white people. We have a hard time talking about race and like, I, I want to continue to try to get better. And that's why I, I try to do this podcast to try to make the world a better place. I don't even know what I'm rambling about right now. No, but but it's
1: good. But, but, but those are the things that I said, it's about experiences. Uh, Experiences give you the maturity of perspective. And so what I tell people, it's like, I think we grew up in a generation, you know, where it's like, well, I don't see color. I don't see race. Obviously that's a privilege. But the other thing is too, if you don't see race and you don't see color, you also don't see trends. And that's the thing that you have to be able to see are the trends of where there are some that are, you know, chosen for, and some that are chosen against, and that there are these disparities. And I think it's, it's okay, you know, I think right now the world is starting to see my black experience through my lens and not through their own. And I think that that's tough. It's tough to reconcile that based off of birth alone, you were given a privilege that I do not have. It's not to say that you did not earn what you have, it's not whatever else, but it is a privilege that you got simply because your skin does not look like mine. Just like when it comes to sex, as men, and and we 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 do not have the right to put our maleness on a woman's experience. You would never go to a woman and tell her if she's pregnant, well, just suck it up, girl. You know, do X Y Z. You would never say that to somebody, and you would also never say that to a woman and say, hey. If I could take the pregnancy from you, I would carry the child for nine months. How many men are offering that? No, we do not want that. Why? Because you understand and recognize that that's a hardship and a hurdle that a woman goes through based off of birth, you know, and having, being able to cherry and, and bear children, that you're like, look, as a guy, I support you, but I do not want to go through it. That's the same here. And I said this, I think, on my Instagram earlier today. I said, if you could take a day Or if you could walk in my shoes and change from being a white guy to a black guy, would you do it? A lot of people probably say no. Why? Because you know that there is a difference between you and I. And that difference is one of discrimination of a lot of hardships and a lot of whatever else. And so I tell people too, you're getting exposed to something that I have grown up with and I've been black for 33 years. Every doggone day of my life, I have been black. You are being now and finally seeing what my existence has always been. And so that's something that everybody does have to kind of go through and process. And I'm glad that people are processing it. I'm glad that they're recognizing that it's like, wow, I can literally, and as a white person, you can do this. And I said this to some of my classmates. I said, when we're in the hospital, you count how many people that look like me as a black man, how many people of color that you see In what form and capacity do you see them? Do you see them also with the same title as you, as physician, medical student? You see them as tech. You see them as nurse. You see them as sanitation. What do you see them as? Because the other thing is this. You can operate in your white space without ever seeing my likeness for an entire day. You do not. And if you think about this, and I tell people, think about your day where you grew up to get up first thing in the morning from the TV that you watch to the people you interact with, you could go a whole day without seeing a black image or a person of color's image
2: mm-hmm.
1: in, that, in, in any capacity. I cannot do that. I have to know what it's like to operate and live within a white space because that is my reality because no matter where I go, and I grew up in a small town you know, in Maryland where there were maybe, I'd say 10 or 11 people, of, like children of color in a whole entire elementary school. I said, imagine what that's like. That in, and one was my brother, three of them were girls that lived literally next door. So it was a quote unquote wow. running joke that 50% of the elementary school of color, we live right next door to each other. So if somebody, and I remember growing up with a cop or somebody said to us, you're like, well, if we ever had a racial issue, we would know where to go. At least 50% we would know is taken care of. A statement like that, Man. you're just like, that's horrible, said but that it's true. You directly to... Oh God, I mean, there are so many experiences, I think, as a kid. And I, I said, it's it's interesting. Anytime my mother says this too, and anytime somebody says to me, they're like, oh, you speak well. I always think of of a a story my mother would say when her and my father were looking at houses and the realtor said to her, well, you speak the King James's English very well. And my mother looked at her, she's like, I'm a physician. My husband is a judge and former lawyer. What do you expect us to sound like? So anytime somebody says that to me now at this age, it's just like, oh, you speak really well. What were you expecting? You were expecting what? And so it's little things like that, that there, again, we call them now, you know, the micro um, micro racist, you know, I can't think of microaggressions Microaggression. or whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, but those are things, you know, sitting there in a white coat doing my digestive system in elementary school. There's a picture on my Instagram that I show of me with a little stethoscope and doing that. Uh, my mother doesn't even know this, that uh, older white man came up to me and said, black kids and black boys don't make good doctors.
0: Dang. literally
1: as an elementary How old school you student
0: elementary, um, that was fourth
1: that was fourth grade so I had to have been what nine nine I, something like that and at
0: yeah. that age I feel like I didn't even really understand the concept of race like there's oh, no way be,
1: because that's the thing that I tell and, and I said this on another podcast or whatever else imagine because at for all black children, all children of color, you have to have a conversation with your child about what race means and what their race and how that makes other people feel. Because if you don't, you do them a disservice. So a a child of color loses their innocence, I always say slightly earlier than that of a white child, because you do not know what it's like to have to sit down and be told if you are stopped by a police officer if you are to you are to do this you are to do this this and this if you are doing this and running outside like my mother would never let us out in the house with hoodies and things like that why because of what it can look like we're not going to let you out of the house in sweatpants we're not going to let you out of the house looking a particular way why because of your skin that's literally what that is and so it is a privilege that You don't have to have those conversations until later in life that if someone calls you a a term, you know, like even when I was first called the N word when I was an elementary student, I didn't necessarily understand quite what that meaning was, but I knew it hurt and I knew it was only directed at me like that was only directed at me because of my skin color. And it's the same thing that happens with being a gay individual as well. You have words that are meant to hurt and dig and and show somebody's power and your inferiority. One word based on one thing that you cannot control, and so it's a lot. It's a lot that this country is going through. It's a lot that I think you know. I look at you know white individuals. It's a lot for y'all. But welcome, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, the party has been going on and it's been a rager and now you are a part of it. But the other thing like you said, and I'll stop ranting after that, uh, is you want to try and do better. And that's something that I always tell people, do better today than you did yesterday and the day before. There are always little things that you can do and you have to look around and say, okay, what is the cost of me doing them? For some people that is their position that they're like, look, I sit on a board, I need to give up my seat. Or I need to look at why is it that there are not other colleagues of color? Why do we not have more people that are interviewing? I said on a a post yesterday or the other day about interview season, I said, I'm going to wait to see what my diversity brings me when it comes to interview season. Because you know, as an IMG, I am looked at as the dirty redheaded stepchild of the US, you know, Even though I take the same boards, do the The same same tests, do the same oh, I'm looked at as completely different. But when you do not change the standard and those who have set the standard and they are consistently the same and they are homogenous, my diversity means nothing. And all of that we're talking about right now equates to nothing more than lip service. So I'm be very curious, but there's a lot that people can do and a part of it starts with discussion and just listening and mm-hmm. and just learning and I think that's one of the hardest things to do because you have to remove self and you have to remove ego when you do that
0: and yeah. a lot of
1: people are not willing to do that sorry we went on like a whole no, thing
0: here guys <laughs> I absolutely loved that that let's call it a rant for what it is that was beautifully said and quite frankly I'm going to try to keep it going because yeah. Before I get into, I, I, you know, I've I've read a lot of your posts and I've tried to listen to podcasts, really get to know you. But before I even get into those areas of questions I've prepared, the question I really want to ask is like, what is the mental health experience for you as a black man or just your individual experience, excuse me, Mm -hmm. when you hear the news of Jacob Blake?
1: You know, it's funny because I said this to my mother as I was, you know, Telling her about this interview, I said every time I do something like even with Dr. Metapod, it was like I think the Ahmad Aubrey uh, shooting mm-hmm. just had happened, and I was like, God, I always pick these times to talk about this, but it's really important. Um, to be honest, that when I look at the Jacob Blake I, situation and, and shooting, it it makes me, and I said this the other day, I'm tired. I'm tired of this being. You know, topic of discussion, I'm tired of seeing it one like you know, I think all you know non people of color, you need to watch it over and over again you you need to watch it until you have your dreams about it and you get and feel emotions like you need to do it. I don't need to keep watching that um because it's again my reality um I'm not angry, and I'm not sad like I remember the ahmed ahmad um murder that one shook me the most and it still has because I run you know for those who you know don't know I did was doing I did I ran every day for 454 days at least one mile and that one shook me to my core of being able to run in my own neighborhood and feel like oh my god this is what could happen um with the Jacob Blake shooting I felt so tired sad but then I thought you see in the middle of the doggone day In the midst of this, this climate that we are already in racial climate that we are in um, How important it is that everyone saw this, I said, especially when we're about to get, you know, ready to vote in November. Um, And it has always sparked and all of this has sparked really great discussion. And I'd say with my mental health, I said I have running, which is great uh for me and it's something that's unnecessary. Um but then it's also been great having like my parents here that are, you know, working from home or retired, and we're having these discussions. And we're having really uncomfortable slash, you know, tough discussions that it's like they are looking at and seeing the same things that they went through as children in the South and fighting for equality that I go through now. And they're like, what is this? How do you feel? And I think for my mother, I think she's more saddened by it. My father is more angered by it. I'm neither of those things. I'm tired, but I'm also motivated because it shows even more why I need to be doing what I'm doing because it means more. And why am I gonna get praised for it? Because it's not the norm. You know, we wouldn't have to keep pointing out like I'm the first black senator, the first this, the first that, if it wasn't the situation. Mm -hmm. If it was the norm, we wouldn't have to point it out. You don't point out what white person is the the head of something or whatever else it is. Why? Because it's assumed. You point that out for me because it's like, oh, well, congratulations, you made it. (laughs) Okay, there Mm -hmm. you go. Um, And so mentally, you know this one is uh, again i look to the people who call themselves allies that's the thing that i'm looking at because it's easy to say that you're an ally it's easy to say that you're going to speak up and speak out this moment is no different than you know the george of george floyd except this man did not die but if you're choosing to stay silent you're choosing to be passive, which means you're choosing not to be active. And again, what is the reason for that? Mm -hmm. Because it may cost you more and your own self-interest is more important than my black life and speaking up about it. So for this situation, I like, again, like George Floyd, you know, murder. I looked at it, I saw it, I felt really horrible. And you're just like, this is life. This is my life and we need to keep moving forward. And so I don't have time and I won't give myself space to be mad. I won't give my t- myself time or space to be saddened by it. Everybody has to do what they need to do for themselves. And I think that that's important, but I'm thankful to do things like this because I have to learn how to process and still function because I don't have the luxury of not doing so. Because what happens if I stop talking and stop sharing my experience, then the black image, black narrative, black voice, the things that this country needs stops. Mm -hmm. So I process, and I thank therapy for this, (laughs) I process while doing. And so I'll take my days that I'm like, okay, I don't wanna talk about it or I don't wanna do whatever. But right now it's motivating and it shows we need change. We need action. Um, And that hopefully will come in the form of November, um, but we can do that on every day we can do that in the smallest ways uh of speaking out speaking to um that is what i'm uh, yeah so that that's how i feel at, at right now at least today yeah. <laughs> of looking yeah. at yeah
0: well you know i really want you to know i i i really find it a privilege that you <laughs> come on this show cuz i i it must just be so incredibly exhausting to this you know keep having to do this and not see really any changes in society and the matter, the frustration, the energy. And, you know, I've I've listened to your work and I can even like feel it in your writing, the passion Mm. that you speak and that motivation that kind of you talk about.
5: Now, through February 16th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out.
4: Even me, Mr. I, can't sleep at night, so I keep dozing off during
5: the day. Especially you, Snoozy. You'll rest easier and feel fit-tacular. Wait,
4: how did you get in here?
5: Join in Club or at PlanetFitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Hurry, deal ends February 16th. See
0: Club for details it inspires me to work harder. And, you know, I was thinking about it today. There's so many aspects of the black community that I almost consume, that I respect, meaning like, I absolutely love the NBA. There's music that I love that comes out from the black community, you know, R&B especially. I just absolutely love that stuff. But who am I to sit here, consume those things but not try to pave the way for individuals in the black community to have everything better in a mm-hmm. sense, you know, have a better opportunity, more equal opportunity because it's not equal at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'll let you catch your breath a little bit. i I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll try to, sh- and mm-hmm. so what I was thinking a lot about today, you know, so I'm an individual with bipolar disorder, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, thankfully when I was manic, I didn't, it didn't get to the point where the police were involved or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times with people with mania, psychosis, other elements of mental illness, cops are involved. Mm -hmm. So let's say me Mm -hmm. has another manic episode. Mm -hmm. I hope it doesn't happen, but it could, I have bipolar disorder. It could happen. Cops get involved. You know, I just think about if I looked like you Mm -hmm. and had a manic episode it very well could go down differently, very, not very. Only look,
1: not only look, but also depending on where you are, where, like outside of skin, where are you? Are you in the suburbs? Are you in a city? Uh, how are you dressed? Um, what identify, what other things that you have around you? You better start thinking about them before you have an episode. Like yeah. those and 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 those are those things. It's the reality. It's the skin tone. It is what it is. But it won't matter. I could be dressed in a suit. I could be out in the suburbs. If I'm in the city, uh, it all matters. It yeah. all matters. And so and, it and, would. It could go differently. For sure. It probably would.
0: And you know, even before they showed up to see me, I mean, you mentioned kind of uh, like the environment. That's a great point. And then I've heard you say this on other podcasts, like the name has so much weight. And that's something I didn't really think about because like Logan Noon, I, I, I guess it's a white name. I don't know. Logan, but white. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Logan is white. That's white. But yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I loved when you bring up that point, you know, you have the name of Jeremy, but if your name was different as Jamal, immediately hearing that name, it, something changes.
1: Everything that you think of and associate with a black person goes right to that person. And it could just seem, same with mental health if you know somebody it's different what's your idea of mental health is different when you know somebody or you can associate something with it but it also is either the positive or the negative so if you know a jamal and you knew jamal was somebody who picked up your grandmother and did whatever else you know black people can be these things that's why i tell people you're learning and seeing what black can be and it's a multiple different things black is not just a skin tone it's not just you know, this, this, you know, R&B or rap. It is, you know, Kamala Harris, that it is intermixed. It is, you know, it is from the suburbs. It is, you know, professionals in all these different fields. That's why it's so important to amplify the image and the voice, because they only equate it to one thing. And that's usually the snippets of what you see on TV. It's what people tell yeah. you of what Of the most ex- extremes. Of the extremes. And it's like, I'm pretty much in the middle. Like as much as I can be very animated, I I'm not this or that. I'm all of this. It's a spectrum. And if you don't see that there's a spectrum there, all you know are these two extremes, and that's it. Um, and those are just things that you have to think about. And we, but I think about it just like I tell everybody, because th- that's the other thing too. Don't ever say to people it's like, well, I'm so sorry. Don't. That's yeah. like saying to a blind person, you know, I'm sorry that you have no sight. Like that's for you. It's not for me. Uh, And I know no, and I know no different. I go through these steps, like putting on my pants. I don't think about it. You know, the day that I would have to, you know, call the police or have, this is just what I have to think about. And you you better make sure that you're ready for it. Like you better have your badge. Like I always keep my med school badge close by in my car something just as a qualifier when i was in grad school i would have a neuro book or something like that just just to show just in case if you stop me i'm not just you know what you think i'm educated okay i have this i have this like yeah very much there's no
0: gun in that backpack it's a neuro book it's it's a neuro book i'm tired Mm -hmm. sir
1: you know these are those things because you don't know what they're thinking and I'm going to have to try and do my best within seconds to defuse or change that thought processing that you have that could cost me my life
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and and when people hear this and they may say well that's very extreme look at you know the the Rittenhouse kid that was running down a street with a doggone strapped weapon nobody stopped him same with the med student that defaced the George Floyd monument he got stopped by security taking a picture and let go do i think that that would ever happen to me no (laughs) no way there's no way that would happen so these are just things that again we have to think about and you know it's 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 my life my experience is this is not unique it is the black experience yeah so that that's
0: Yeah, you know, I like so we talked kind of about the news and like seeing those extremes, what gets me so frustrated, but also excited, at least in this moment right now, you know, on the news, it seems to always cut to like the looting, like, I just feel like that's always what they're showing instead of Mm. the more peaceful, and I think the vast, vast, vast fucking majority of people Peacefully protesting, finding different ways. And what we've seen is all these protests, the more traditional in a sense, in cities with signs, you know, blah, blah, cars, they are having an impact, but not enough of an impact. And so mm. I'm a big fan of basketball, love basketball. I was stoked to watch the playoffs yesterday. But then when mm. I found out that they were protesting in honor of Jacob Blake, I was euphoric. I was so excited because what is a better peaceful protests sending a more powerful message to so many Americans and people all over the world who are lovers of basketball to this needs attention this needs to change and nothing it's just more of the same you know Mm. so my personal mental health reaction to you know at least this week's news just another case of quite frankly a story we hear over and over again unarmed black man getting shot and like Mm. why I always I guess the first feeling that I had was kind of just like numb. Like mm. this is just, it happens over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm I'm feeling just numb. So then it mm. made me be like, if I Logan noon white boy from Connecticut feel this way, what is it like for you who in fourth grade were told you can't be a doctor or, you know, some crazy bullshit like that. Yeah. Like it, it was, it's, it's hard for me to take in and I just feel so frustrated and I can't imagine how it feels for someone who doesn't look like me.
1: Yeah, and, and it's great. I think when I saw the NBA do what it is, it's, it's funny. Society will tell us what we're worth. You know, society has no problem telling black individuals, you are worth this. We want you to, as some of the commentators said, shut up and dribble the ball. Shut up mm-hmm. and throw the ball. Shut up and do what we pay you to do because we don't wanna hear it. And at the end of the day, it's saying, no, 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 my worth is more than just your entertainment. It's worth more than you throwing money at me and you know this is what this is. And they've worked their hardest to, to get to these points where you get to be in the playoffs and you get to try and achieve. But it's saying, no, 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 until things change, I'm not going to do what you're telling me my worth is. And that's why I tell young black people or anything like that, I said. Your worth is more than what somebody tells you. Your worth is self-determined and you dictate that. And so in medicine, my classmates, and we all know these things, that it's like you will walk into a patient's room, you will walk into a hospital and people will look at you and they're like, well, what do you do? Now, my badge says medical student, The, the embroidery on whatever says medical student. Oh, I just were you the nurse? And that's no shade on nurses, but are you the nurse or what do you do? Like, what do, what do you mm-hmm. know? Or they'll question what I know. Oh, well, you don't know anything. Now, my classmate doesn't know anything either. We're all yeah. here trying to <laughs> We're all things. idiots. <laughs> we're all idiots. Let me tell you, I'm gonna web empty this crap real quick and go to up to date. <laughs> but we all don't know anything, but you'll question me. Why? Because yeah. my worth shouldn't be that high. My worth and my word shouldn't be that because society has told you, He's as good as this. And that's all we want to see. And so you're continuously fighting for your worth and continuously fighting to prove something. And that gets exhausting because why do I have to prove anything to anybody else? And you shouldn't do that. Now, granted, I'm all for a good, you know, yeah, every once in a while you need that encouragement, but worth comes from self. You determine your own worth and, I love to see what the NBA did. I would love for other people to do the same thing. Uh, The guy, the commentator that just walked off, I can't remember his name from that just said, I'm tired of this. I'm tired oh, of doing yeah, this uh, on
2: Sports,
1: yeah. sports Center. Yeah. Um, I know
0: who you're talking about. That got I, like, and me and my dad were talking about this. How could I not remember yeah. to say, whatever, I, it doesn't matter. My it.
1: mother and I just Kenny writing, Smith.
0: Kenny it? Smith, there yeah, we go. Thank you, Boom. there we can- go,
1: there we go. Uh, <laughs> let me break that stereotype that the gays don't know. Sports, we still got it, y'all. <laughs> Let's um, go. <laughs> we, can, we can still talk sports here, y'all. <laughs> um, but like those are those things that says enough is enough. And that's what I think is a beautiful thing that you're seeing is that enough is enough my worth is more than this and I'm going to stand for it. And that is so important. And I wish more non-people of color did the same thing because right then and there too, then that would show that you're in true solidarity. Enough, this is enough. When you stand with us and you agree and you stand up for, that is what I wanna hear. I don't wanna hear it after the fact. Oh, that was really messed up what the patient said to you or the attending said, Uh, no, don't, don't say that. I need you to stand with me in that moment because that's when I need you to correct the patient. That's what I need um, you to do and to say, no, no, I stand with him. I support his diagnosis, the technique that he's using, his presence being here, that, and you don't have a choice. That's what we need to see. And that's what we need more of. And that's that solidarity and that community um, that says, you're important. You have value. And I see that and let's mm. go together and go forward. And so that I think is just one of those things that I think right now, I wish we saw more of, but I think we are seeing it. Uh, but I wish we saw more of that.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I, I do really appreciate you just sharing kind of the intricacies of your experience, because there's just so many things that I don't think about it just doesn't cross my mind like why would like you know if you don't have
1: to why you don't we don't think about heels we don't walk in heels mm -hmm. like as women you're like oh you got to walk but I always say to because I have a mother in medicine I said that they always get the shorter end of the stick because I'm like you have to worry about you know pregnancy and walking in heels how do you look and all these other I'm like good god this is rough for you all I don't yeah. think about it cause I'm a man. I don't have to, I don't know what it's like to fear necessarily walking down an alley and I'm dressed a particular way. And people are like, well, maybe from a black end, but you know, as a woman to say, I don't feel safe. Like, I don't know that. And so I don't think about it. But then when you finally take yourself and remove yourself from the situation and your lens and you see it from somebody else, you're like, damn. Okay. All right. And you've had that I'm sure being married, Now you know different than you know when you were single and you didn't, you weren't with your wife. But I don't think you would sit there and say that you completely understand the female experience just because you have a wife and that you're married. Mm -hmm. You're always learning, but you're open to learning because that's the person that you love. You want them to be seen, heard, and know they matter. So on a day to day basis, you are willing to learn from them, learn about their experience, hear them. That's the difference. And so that's the thing I tell people, you have to want it for yourself to learn to love somebody, to want to see that because otherwise you won't. Because there's really no need. If it doesn't impact you, why would it? You know, mm-hmm. her womanness does not affect you as a man, if, unless you choose it to. If she's not feeling well because she's on her menses, i best best believe you're respectful why because it's the woman that you love and that's what it is you don't want her to feel like she's less than or that you don't care Mm -hmm. and so that's what i tell people and i always equate it back to children fine we can convince whatever we want as adults i said but no child should ever walk around and think that they are less than for Mm -hmm. something that they didn't control children are innocence They did not ask for anything. They have this view of the world that they should be allowed to believe in Santa Claus and miracles. So don't do it for you. If you think that, you know, oh, whatever else, don't do it for you. As an adult, don't do it for me. Do it for the kid. Do it for that child so that they know that they are beautiful, that they are capable, that they are worthy because no child should ever have to feel that based Mm -hmm. off of something that they can't control, mental health, skin, sex, any of that we need to take that away but we put our adult views and stigmas on that and it influences a whole generation that again has the possibility for, to do so much good um mm-hmm. so yeah those are those are just the things that i kind of look at it like don't do it for me do it for their child do it because you love somebody and you want them to be seen heard and know they matter
0: well so hearing you speak <laughs> It, it makes me think a lot about. I truly don't know who my audience is. I, quite <laughs> frankly, can't afford the level of uh, hosting that's required to really know who's actually listening. I can kind of see where the people are over the world. But right. I, I kind of think about the listeners who, you know, I understand everyone thinks differently, who don't think like me. Because when you talk mm-hmm. about your experiences, I don't get it uncomfortable. You know, and I, I, I want to learn and I feel like it's going to make me a better doctor, just a better person, member of my community. Mm. But I wonder if there's listeners of this podcast who get uncomfortable, mm. who have mm. feelings that I do, or that mm-hmm. I, not that I do, excuse me. I'm sorry, I'm going to explain this. Different. Straight, but think differently than me. Mm. I almost want to talk about some of the the things, the common phrases we always hear in the stupid arguments. I think they're freaking stupid, but I want to mm-hmm. hear your answers to them. Like, so when when we hear the phrase defund the police, I get so Mm. frustrated because I feel like, you know, I think everyone really understands we need a police department Mm. in some respects. Right. So when I hear that, it's like, it's, it's getting away from the message. Like that's not, you know, and and that's not what black lives. I feel like black lives matter really stands for. It's it's about reform and accountability and justice, respect, equality. And, you know, that to me is hearing like the locker up of the republican party four years ago just like these extremists and it's just like that's not really benghazi
1: you're like we're putting a one word on something that is so multi-layered that and now it's just they're socialist
2: what how did we go how are we how is this
1: socialist like yes i I think it's yeah it's very weird sorry go ahead
0: well so you know how do you respond when when Someone I don't know if anyone's approached you, being like, "Yeah, it's a stupid idea to defund the police." (laughs) I think
1: the thing about it, and I, I always, I always try when I, and I think it's probably because I was a teacher. I, I always try to equate things to what people know. So again, just like in medicine, my job is to explain my stance. In a way that's relatable to you, if it's about you know cars, I can make the heart into a whole you know car engine with some pipes and oil, and we can figure it out and So what I say to people when they're like, "Well, we shouldn't do this and whatever else, and you put, paint this picture of this extreme like so we're not going to have any police, and it's anarchy that is not is what is your understanding of reform the police? What is your understanding? What do you think it is, and then let's go back and let me tell you what I think it is. And then meet and find the common ground. Because I think that's the other thing, too. People are so busy talking about stances and just like, this is what this is. They're going to take away my rights and this is it. Stop. Our experiences are always going to be different. Let's talk about something that we all share, which is how do we feel? When I say defund the police, how do you feel? Afraid. You feel scared. You feel whatever. Got it when I see the police as to what they are right now I feel scared I feel like my rights are taken away okay so we're all feeling the same thing we need to change that mm-hmm. what can we do to change that so that we have police I again I need I'm gonna call somebody again I re- love and respect cops just like anybody else does you're choosing to put yourself in harm's way in a way that I'm like mm-hmm, okay well that ain't me uh mm-hmm. so I appreciate <sighs> you but there there's not to say that there should not be education on how to de-escalate a situation, that there shouldn't be funds that are put not necessarily to rubber bullets and escalating these things, that there should be training or there should be education or there should be um, more work that needs to be done so that we fix this and make it better than what it is. Because you have a whole group of people that do not trust this. What if I, as a physician, if you don't trust me, What can I do for you? Will you come and see me? Will you listen to what I'm doing? Will you, no. So that's the same thing when you're saying defund the police and you're thinking about that. Think about it in medicine or anything else that you deal with. How do we make them the best that they can be? This is not the best that they can be. And that's what I look at what reform is or defunding the police. It's making them the best that they can be. And that's with human beings that are imperfect that are bringing bias, that are bringing, again, in broad daylight, you don't need to shoot somebody seven times in their back with their children in their car. There was, and with other people around, like it was not like you were by your, like there's a lot of thought processing there that I'm like, "Mm." with the right education and maybe training or something, this could have been deescalated. And we see it in other countries. We do not see all of this sometimes in these other countries, why? They don't have the history that we do. But again, money is being put in the right way. So that's what I say. I try and put it on a more of a feeling basis, find where we can find some some common ground and then work with it. Um, because people are just so polarized right now. Yeah, Like it, it is the most polarized I think I know um, in my 33 years that I think that it is just this or this, black or white. And I don't think that there is ever anything that is that cut and dry you know there's always gray and we just need to find and operate in the gray a lot better um right now so yeah for defund the police okay i i hear what people are uh, are afraid of or i roll my eyes because i think of like the the rnc commercials for it and i'm just like showing like the old lady and she's getting like
0: like, like joe biden's gonna allow them to attack you and i'm just like this black silhouette coming up all scary (laughs)
1: like what is this <laughs> but you feel a type of way cuz you're like oh my god is this really what happened but then it's happen? scary
0: cuz it's like do people really though think like yeah. that is that what they actually they think do. the the black lives matter stands for because it really actually should be like fund the police cuz it it's going to take a lot of money and a lot of effort to totally change this system and that's what has to happen like right. there is systemic racism that's not an opinion that's just fact one of the facts i like to talk about is you know another argument that you hear from certain political ideals let's put it that way oh well in 2019 uh the police actually shot more white people than black people and i looked this up before this podcast and i just (laughs) want to make sure people get this right i that is a fact that is a fact sure but According to the census.gov 2019 data, 76% of the country identified as white, 13.4% of the country identified as black, 6% Asian, 18% Latino or Hispanic. So of course, a majority of the deaths from the police are going to be the majority demographic of the United States. 75% of the people. Come on. So the rate, let me just finish this one point. The rate at with people die from their interactions with the police is radically different and it's i like to even think it's not even just black people you know latino people people who are just not the majority are going to most likely just have different experiences with police and other people of power
1: right yeah no i can't It's just, but my thing is, I love when people bring up things like that because it's like, well, this is the other situation. We're not talking about other situations right now. I mean, we can, but we're talking about the one in front of us. Like, I would not, if your spouse cheated on you, I'm not going to, and you're asking me whether, you know, you should stay with them. Well, Stephanie's husband cheated on her and she went back and this person did this and this person. That has nothing to do with the situation at hand. Stay focused, stay focused. We're talking about this and it's easy and we have to obviously go outward and look at a bigger picture and look at the trends, but the trends are very clear, okay? And so that doesn't take from the fact that this is the experience of the person of color with the cops and this is what it is. So those statistics to me are moot. They're you trying to again justify the unjustifiable, why? why if we would never have to justify calling somebody and saying that they drove drunk whether they hit somebody or not if you get pulled over for drunk driving you are a drunk driver same with domestic violence oh they somebody hit somebody and she he hit her you you beat your wife these are statements these are facts why are we trying to go through this this and it's only with race that people do this. I feel like it goes through this, this gymnastics, this mental gymnastics to try and like skirt yeah. around things. I'm like, I've never seen people do a balance beam, you know, a sow cow, or all this other stuff, like flips and turns. You're like, to get around this main issue well, the, and, and this the real one facts. point. Right, and so because we do that because we don't want to acknowledge what is right in front of us. And we can do that because we're, we're intellectual individuals. We're adults. You can do that like we're med students. I can almost probably come up with a reason. If I wanted to do cocaine every day, I could probably come up with a,
0: a logical thought process. Yeah,
1: It's still not right. Like it's yeah, still not right. You can rationalize right. anything. Pretty much. Yeah. And so a lot of that is just mental gymnastics. And I'm glad that you can go through it, but it still does not take away what we know is true history. And then I always go back to the person. Would you want your child to be black? would yep. you want to be black
0: and if the answer questions.
1: is no okay then there yep. we go it, it's a very simple here so give me the statistics but it doesn't change anything <laughs> and not then, in my opinion
0: like that mental gymnastics bullshit exists even in medicine and like mm-hmm. they'll try to pull one fact just like yes more people who are white are shot by the police in 2019 that is a fact sure and they try to pull that bullshit in medicine oh this one fact yeah this works but you need to look at the bigger picture the bigger understanding of the situation right 76 percent of america is white that's like that the rate at which these things happen is what we really need to try to understand and try to fix
1: exactly Uh, Exactly. Or people, again, and we don't know how people choose to identify, like, there are things that if somebody, do you really think that people of color also don't put down that they're white, or whatever else it is, or if they're mixed or something? Do you not think that they put that down? Why? As a protection? Like, there are, I'm sure, forms and people in my ancestry that have probably put down house notes and whatever else, check the box. white. Why? Because on record, it looks like this. Well, yeah. it was a simple mistake, but why? Because I need to make sure I protect myself. Do you think I'm stupid? Like,
0: and no. like eligibility to live in certain places, go to certain schools. Very, I
1: exactly. Like, why do you think that that would be? I mean, I've not had to do that. But again, it's because my name, if it's a box that I don't check and you just, again, read Jeremy Scott, you don't know what I am. And so you naturally will probably put me as white. You would not put me as black. And so you can't use those numbers of how somebody chooses to identify necessarily to say, well, they killed more white people. That could be a mixed person. That could be somebody that is half white, half black. Could be, you know, a half Hispanic, half white. You don't know, but it's what they chose to put down or what you'd recognize them as. Because what does every black person look like? Somebody that looks like, let's say, Rashida Jones from, you know, um, Parks and Rec, whose father is Quincy Jones. She's black, but she's passable. She's 100% passable as a a, a white woman if you wanted to. Look at J-Lo. You know she's Hispanic, but how many times has she played Italian? (laughs) Like, again, (laughs) but those are those things that I tell people, I'm like, don't think you just, again, you're equating a black to one thing or this image in your head. There's a spectrum. And don't think that people play off of the spectrum of, oh, we don't know if she's Latina. We don't know what they are. That's what you do to survive it's a yeah. name it's in the how you choose to identify the straightness of your hair the look that you have if it's passable you're good that's like what we tell people back in the day of the paper bra- um the paper bag test like the brown paper bag test if you are lighter than the paper bag my- the
3: i haven't really woken up oh, until i've had my mcdonald's breakfast deal and i know this is true because before breakfast <laughs> i put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand.
4: Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary.
3: McDonald's, I'm loving it. Otto, if you
1: are darker, black. Literally. They're still like, my father, even now to this day, it's like, oh, you get darker? That can get him a little bit like, oh, you're getting a little dark. Why? Because I know that there's privilege that comes with me being a light-skinned black. I am not dark. So if I'm standing next to my darker counterpart, oh, I'm automatically given privilege on him because I'm lighter. I'm less threatening by, again, standards that I did not create, but were given to me. And so those Mm -hmm. are those things that people need to hear and think about when they read statistics of, oh, this is this and this is this you don't know what those are. You don't know why. And people are, again, people of color have been doing this for centuries to learn yeah. how to exist in your white space. So come on. But again, it doesn't detract from, it's just a it's a smokescreen, I think, to just try to take away from the major issue. But
2: yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I really respect, you know, the passion that you speak with this. <laughs> and I know it's not easy and I know it's incredibly exhausting. And, you know, no. you've had to definitely deal with some bullshit Throughout the years, and we haven't even talked about all of it, you know. Yeah. So you identify you're a, a gay person, and yeah. you know. So, you know, one thing you kind of said right there really got me kind of thinking, like doing what you need. I know I've to, been watching
1: your face, and I'm like, Lord, he, he is he is listening and <laughs> processing.
0: I'm I'm no longer a rookie podcaster. I'm trying to trying to work on my craft. Get get. I love it. Taking notes, you know, and and this has been a, a really good podcast. I think I think the listeners are really gonna like it. But it got me kind of thinking, doing what you need to to survive. So you know, I've I don't think, and I I hope I haven't ever had any like anti-gay tendencies. And like I was, I've had friends who are gay, and um, or I have friends, excuse me. And you know, I'm I'm so excited. Our country's pushing one way, but you know, so you're 33. Mm-hmm. I'm 31. So yeah, basically the same age. So, you know, when I was growing up a common thing I always heard, and I quite frankly even said it fact all the time. And it's a shameful that I, I feel like I didn't even understand the true power of that word until later in life. And I oh. hope that things are different now for mm-hmm. young kids because We would use that word, not even necessarily in reference to, but it was just outrageous. It was all over television. It was just in the culture Mm -hmm. right then. It was so weird. And, you know, doing what you need to survive. So you got me really thinking about the concept of gaydar Mm
2: -hmm. and,
0: you know, some tendencies of certain people can maybe identify them as being gay. Right. Mm. And so, I had an experience or experiences where I went to a very religious institution um, mm-hmm. for undergrad, <laughs> not because I'm a religious, I'm very atheist.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, funny enough, we're agnostic. Let's, let's give it agnostic. Okay. Right. But either way, I knew a lot of people who didn't necessarily have any sort of tendencies who came out much later than maybe you would anticipate someone because I don't know, at least, you know, as a heterosexual person, you know, sex when you're, ages like 16 through 25 is so much of your brain space, right? You know, so much of your time and energy, that's all you're kind of thinking about. We're both right. males, so I don't know what the female experience is like, but I don't know, I kind of think it's a lot more similar in some respects. You know, I think yeah. we're all thinking about those kind of things. Yeah, And yeah. to think about people at that stage of their life not being able to engage in something as pleasurable as sex and having that shame, you know, it just makes me so sad and so frustrated. And I've had friends who I just wish they didn't have to go through that. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it sucks. And I'm so happy now that they're open about it and they can live Mm -hmm. a life that's more honest for them and Mm -hmm. thrilled, quite frankly. But it still sucks they had to experience that. And it sucks that I, quite frankly, I think even in a small way, when I was very small or just the culture, whatever you want to call it, could have contributed to that person not wanting to feel comfortable, whatever.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm I'm ashamed of that, and I definitely want to improve on that. And so now I want to get you talking about kind of your experience of yeah. being a gay person, what that God, was like. That, that's
1: you know it, it it is so funny because I was saying that to somebody else. I said I've only started recently being comfortable and open to talk about it. I said because literally I think you know you throw sexuality, and I tell people too, for me and for any gay person. And so I'll say this that you know when people are like they ask the question first when did you know it's not it's like it's like asking somebody when when the sky is is the sky blue or grass green like you always know the question is when did you accept it
0: mm. and so because yeah you have question. crushes when you're like one or not one first grade excuse me for
1: you you know that you feel something you know mm-hmm. that you feel something you can't necessarily place what is gay you don't really know that and again kids like i grew up like you did again we grew up with ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know, this is gay, this is whatever. And so I don't think I necessarily also equated it with that or a person necessarily. but you just knew it was what is off or what is other. That is what you knew it as. It is other. It is not the default. Same with the question of when people say, well, what is your coming out story? Like, again, it shows slightly an air of ignorance when you think that I don't come out every day. I said, every time somebody says, Oh, why aren't you married? Oh God, the girls must love you, boy. Well, what do you want to do? Do you want to get married? Husband. What do you, you know, every time you fix that for somebody you're coming out and then you also have to choose. Like for me, you throw blackness on top of it. I choose. I can't give it to you everything because sometimes it may be more difficult for you to digest that I'm black. Like that was the first thing you're like, Jeremy Scott. Oh, we're not going to go with the gay today (laughs) because that's going to give you more to have to stop thinking about what, and you have to stop and you have to look at what is your goal. When I look at my interaction with somebody, what do I want them to focus on? And will they be able to hear my message and its meaning and take in its meaning fully? If they're more focused on me being Black I'm going to put the the gay a little bit away because at the end of the day, they are not going to be able to digest it. Or if I think that they're able to digest it and still hear my message, I can put that information in there. It's not me hiding it. It's not me being ashamed. It's me choosing to say that the meaning and the message that I'm trying to get across is bigger and more important than me. And so I need to remove as much of me out of the equation. And so I give kids so much credit nowadays because I think they are given a space to be who they are more than we have ever had. And I, you know, I, I, I am very proud of that for young, you know, LGBTQ plus student kids that they get to go through this and they have this realm where they have shows like Pose or they have Love, Victor, or they have other things that bring and introduce what is I think has been termed, which still people use, is the gay lifestyle, which I'm like, okay, what does that mean? It's Mm -hmm. like the gay lifestyle isn't like a keto diet. That's a lifestyle, okay? To choose not to eat carbs, that's (laughs) a lifestyle. (laughs) Me being gay is just me living my life. But in order for me to live my life, I have to pick and choose when I can do it. So I tell people all the time, I said, you don't think twice about holding your wife's hand when you walk down the street. I would not be I would be foolish if I did not think about where I was to hold my husband's hand or boyfriend's hand or whatever else it is yeah. when I'm walking down the street. When you hear somebody say partner versus husband, that's a choice a lot of us make because again, I don't want you to get thrown. There are enough people that are a little bit more culturally sensitive now so people use partner and they are heterosexual so mm-hmm. I can still kind of get away with it a little bit. Um but there are certain things that we make sure that, again, we're thinking about, whether it's clothing, the way that I interact and I speak, you either butch it up a little bit, you you do what you have to do, because, again, I don't want to be perceived in a particular way that somebody may, again, threaten me, but I also have to be prepared. That's the other thing, too. I have to be prepared for someone to bring in their scope of what they think gay is, which is, I honestly think, and this is one of the things that I tell people, I think it is mostly a lack of understanding and a part of what it is, is because you don't understand, you fear what you don't understand and, or you, and when it comes to a gay individual, you know what you see on pride parades or you see in videos, these, again, the extremes, you mm-hmm. see the extremes of, oh, they're lewd and out here and crass and they, they don't want to get married. I tell everybody, I'm like, I want to get married. I want to have children. I want to, to, to have one partner to do whatever. They, like, the same thing as everybody else. That's the same thing that you want. Why is that threatening or how does that influence or take from what you have? It doesn't. But you're so busy and willing to take away from me being able to do that. Why? Because you have no understanding or concept. And, you're, and it frightens you and it shouldn't frighten you. Um, And that's why I I had a conversation with somebody else about pronouns and, you know, being called they and them. And this is a new thing. Even at 33, I'm like, what is this? And and even Mm -hmm. in the gay community, like I don't get it either. Some days I'm like, (laughs) I can't, I'm talking to a singular person and I refer to them as they or them. It is, it's trippy and you have to think about it, but I was talking to somebody that was like, this is just a trend and this is a phase and this is just ridiculous. And I said to myself, I said, if it makes somebody feel that much more included and seen, then what is it to me to try and refer to them as they or them or he or she, however they'd like to be you know, referred to as. If I can make somebody feel a, a, a little bit more accepted, then why wouldn't I do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, what 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 does it take for me to refer to them as a them or to try? And this is the other thing too. And we talked about this a little bit earlier with you know asking about racial questions. Try, mm-hmm. ask questions. You know the difference when somebody is trying to do and ask a question for their own amusement and for their own you know, curiosity. Like my sexuality is not meant for you to be curious. Now, if you haven't figured out by from me anyway, uh, we can go down that rabbit hole. If you ask me a question and you just wanna do it just to see if you're gonna get a rise, you know I'll go there with you too. And I guarantee you I will cross that line <laughs> much further than you. But somebody's sexuality and their experience is not meant for your entertainment. If you wanna understand ask. If you, you know, want to show that you're, I'm trying, try. If you get it wrong, I'll correct it or somebody else will correct it. That's okay. We can mm-hmm. respect that. It's like, okay, I need to learn, but put yourself in those experiences. Like, I'm not saying go to a gay club. Don't, I'm not saying do that as a straight person. But I, yourself, I actually, do that. <laughs> no,
0: I actually think you should. I think, you know, me and my wife used to live in downtown Sacramento, right? Okay. We lived actually a few blocks uh, from the gay district. It mm. was the greatest area. The best memories I have with my wife. You know, we, it was the most vibrant part of town, the coolest part of town, the best food, the best music. Like, And just there was a comedy club even down there. It was just an amazing part. And so I would encourage people, go push yourself out of your comfort zone. And go and experience and just, you know, be around people that aren't like you. Right. And see that it's just love. It doesn't matter. Like, and and if you have a religious philosophy where you can't think of it like that, it's just love. I don't understand then your religion at all. How can I, (laughs) like, it doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, I had that very difficult conversation with a classmate, in fact, uh, that's very religious. And it came out for like, and we've been friends since the first day of medical school. And it came out that they were very, they're like, well, I don't support this. And I'm like, I was, I was literally thrown because they obviously know, you know, I'm I'm, I'm gay and they met my family and whatever else. And I said, what again says, and how do you believe in something over a person? Mm -hmm. You know, me. You've been with me, seen my family, you know, interacted. You're putting, and again, we believe in, you have to believe in something, you know, I, for sure. As much as I'm a science person, yes. Do I believe that there is something higher? Yeah, there are certain, certain things in medicine as we know. Mm-hmm. We cannot explain it. You're like,
0: mm, well, how did that work? <laughs> Hell yeah. if I
1: know, <laughs> it was not anything. Are, not you, wait, doing. are
0: you describing OPP, <laughs> osteopathic medicine?
1: All right, right, like, you're just like. It's voodoo. <laughs> voodoo. Uh, I love that you like voodoo. Uh, But It's it's, it's things that you can't explain. So I get it. And you have to believe in something bigger than you. Um, But I also would choose and like to think that nothing in terms of religion or anything like that teaches you to hate. It doesn't teach you to dislike somebody. And when you know somebody, I find it so much harder for you to hold on to that one little aspect that says, well, it doesn't say that it's okay. But it doesn't also say that, you know, you need to hate me or that you can't Mm -hmm. support me and that I'm not a person. I am still a person. I am still breathing, loving, feeling, whatever else. But also, I always say to this, if you didn't know, if you did not know at all, you would like me as a person, you would do whatever else it is. So it's literally your choice. It was your choice to interpret this word to say that you can't support me or love me when I'm, again, living in my truth. And that, again, I think speaks more to you. The problem is not religion. It is the people who practice it and how you choose to interpret that word to give you permission to hate or dislike. But my thing is, too, I didn't know that there was like a, a, a scale to sin. Like, oh, you know, the sin of the flesh and the sin of the whatever, that's not as bad as this one. So no, that, that's, you mm-hmm. know, for whatever reason, you can be forgiven. But me, this is, uh, we just, I uh, can't do it. And then again, feel as though that you have a right to come into what I do and try and impact my life and take that away from me. And that's the thing that I just, I get thrown off by. And I was so saddened by this person that I had this conversation with them about it because I'm just like you know me, you know me, and you're telling me that it's like well I don't well I still support you how, if yeah. you don't support all of me,
0: but you think I'll burn in hell, but you, right and yeah. that you
1: don't agree with whatever else it is I said you're cherry picking and that's not okay I said when we're friends I may not like everything that you do, but I support you as a person in your life. I said, I wanna adopt my children. I've always made that clear. You wouldn't write me a character reference, why? Do you think gay individuals don't raise children well or that I would do something? Mm-hmm. If your children were hurt, would you not want them to come and see me? I said, as your patient and as, as a physician, do you not say to your patient, do you, you know, have relationships with men, women or both? Do you discriminate against that? I said, where does it end? I said, so you're cherry picking and you're making a choice. Well, oh, I can do it when I'm in the hospital and but I don't do it here and this I said, so you're choosing to hate or you're choosing not to love. And that to me speaks volumes about your character that you would rather choose to not be accepting and 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 use the the excuse of religion, because I think it's an excuse if you do it. Yeah. Like, I think it's your excuse. And that's fine. It is what it is. But you'd rather do that than to see me as a person and to love me. I, I can't. Because I don't get to do that in, in medicine. I don't look at it like that. If a white supremacist with a Nazi symbol or, you know, a Confederate flag came into a hospital, I'm not going to sit there and can't see you today. You're against me. Bye. I didn't, I didn't take an oath for that.
0: I yeah. didn't, I
1: didn't take it. In fact, I would probably work harder just out of spite though, but that's me uh, that I'm like, mm, who saved you? Bring everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Scott saved you. <laughs> Let me meet the family and everybody else. I, I yeah. it was me that saved you. And I'm gay too. I, <laughs> have, a good, <laughs> have a good day <laughs> just to put my little stink on it. But yeah, those are those things that I just think about. I said, especially in medicine, it doesn't teach us to hate.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I, and, 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 and we have to be about something bigger. We have to be about the person. Um, and that's the thing that I, with all the things that we see in medicine, how can you still hold some of those harsh beliefs? Because it doesn't matter where you are. That's the thing that I love about medicine. It's a universal truth. It's a universal you know, profession where people know what it's like to be ailing. They know what sick is, no matter the word for it, country, whatever. You're here to treat a person and a human. So how your eyes are able to see humanness in this building, in this area, wearing a white coat, and then separate it completely and have this, I just, I don't understand it. And so, um, but I, like I said, going back to everything, I'm so excited for the the youth god i sound freaking old uh no, we're the, getting the, old dude we're getting the, old sorry the, 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 we're approaching the, the, 35
0: the, here uh,
1: oh not you you're fine <laughs> yes. uh, but you're already married and it's fine um so let's hope that you have a good gay following hit me up if you're over the age of 35. Um, but. but, but I'm so glad that they have those things because I never had that growing up. I did not have, I could not think of a a, a single gay black individual that I would be able to turn to or something that shows gay as normal. You know, I don't have that. You know, you don't have the modern families, the, the, like I said, pose and love Victor and all these things that portray an LGBTQ plus life to be just every day. Um, And so I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful on my Instagram and things like that, that I get to do that because once or twice a week, I'll get a message from an LGBTQ plus person. And it's just like, wow, because I know my experience is very different. um, And all of our experiences are, but there's so much just strength and, and courage and everything that I take from hearing those stories and having those interactions that if I can be a face for one person to say, it's okay. It's okay, you can, you belong, keep going. It's all worth it. Mm -hmm. It's all worth it and it it feels so good because I know what it's like to fear that, to question it, um, to wonder if it's and how it's going to affect everything that I do. I know that feeling. I still have that feeling mm-hmm. that i there are days that I'm like, Oh, don't be too damn gay. <laughs> don't don't do it. Or I have mm. people that said to me, you know, black physicians um, said the day that I put it on my Instagram, that I had like a love first shirt. Um, a bunch I had at least 10 black physicians that said, because you just did that you took away every single achievement that you will make as a black physician because all they're going to be able to see is your gayness. And, mm, mm, is a- and 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 my I mean I was really upset about it, but then I think over time I, I thought about it this way. I am not responsible for how you choose to digest my personhood. Mm-hmm. I am not responsible for whether you pick out that I'm gay, that I'm black, that I'm a med student, that I'm an IMG. I am all those things. And I am proudly all of those things. So whatever you do to digest my personhood so that it's easier for you to conceptualize and get through it, that's on you. But I'm all of those things. And they make up all of who I am, which is the person that is sitting in front of you, who is very proud of who they are working to try and be better and growing and learning. So that's not in my control Mm -hmm. whatsoever. And so I let it go. And you have to do that and that is true acceptance that is learning what worth is but it takes a lot of time and a lot of therapy to get there yeah.
0: yeah well and and it's you know joking of course but it is scary when you look at the disparities that that lgbtq face even in healthcare like the amount of suicides substance abuse issues in particular um and even it's so much higher with individuals who identify as gay and it's so so sad to me and that's of course a big aspect of uh, psychiatry you know so many people with depression and uh, suicide attempts it's it's awful and so I want to continue to learn and continue to evolve so let me share this kind of experience and I'd I'd love to kind of get your perspective so you know my style you know I tell everybody that I have bipolar disorder. It's how I Mm. am, I'm not gonna stop. Mm. And I had an advisor tell me, a physician, she was gay and Mm. she didn't wanna disclose that ever to her patients to potentially negate the quality of their experience. Mm. Um, Maybe other reasons, but either way, it wasn't something she disclosed is this going to be something that you disclose about your life as a physician to, to patients?
1: Um, I think it depends. I think, I can't remember. I think it was maybe your talk with Dr. Metapod about it where you have to gauge whether you said you disclose to patients or not that you are, you know, bipolar, you've had that experience and how that it can influence how you talk to them and treat them. I think it depends on a person to person basis. I guess I would say I'm not going to hide it. So if Mm -hmm. you were to be, you know, one of the things I always tell people, you know, uh, and this is a line from my mother, I swear, uh, where she's like, a hospital, it's not Burger King. You can't have it your way. So you're coming to my house and you're, 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 you're coming with your situation to my job. I didn't go to your job with anything. So if you have an issue, you're going to need to check it. Like, if you don't want the gay Black person to take care of you, so is your right. I hope there is somebody else that can deal with it, but I'm pretty sure there are other people that I can work with that are willing to deal with it. Um, not being said that at the end of the day, I'm, that's not my job. You know, I had an advisor that said that and asked me that a question as well, that said, well, would you tell somebody? I said, if you said my, oh, your wife, I would correct you, absolutely, my husband, and keep it pushing. Because at the end of the day too, I'm not gonna let you make that an issue. That's mm-hmm. your issue. That is something that you are having to go through and comprehend and and again, go through those mental gymnastics, but that's not an issue for me. So I'm not gonna take the pen on that. And that's the thing that we do a lot of the time is we take somebody's issue and, and their fears and whatever, and we take it because they're trying to push it on us. That's not my job. And so if I have an office and I have, you know, a picture of my family, my future family, and they see that it's, yep. Now you can ask me about it, whether I disclose more information or not, that is what it is. But I'm not gonna hide that from you because you need to know what, who I am. But I also will say, just like being black, I think being an LGBTQ plus person, it gives you an ability to connect with somebody and it will actually give you, um, I think a little bit, and at least it been in my experience, I've had a lot more benefits from people knowing it than not um because they feel more comfortable whether it's you know a, a woman and she's like oh y- you had that fear of man working with look girl <laughs> not interested like but <laughs> like like not interested we we can oh okay It takes away a barrier, or it sparks a conversation that's so much needed. I said, that's the other thing, too. And I don't think people know this, that there are a lot of LGBTQ plus people that there's a registry and a website that you go to a lot of them don't know this, that there's a website that you go to that tells you that there are LGBTQ friendly physicians. And Mm. so one of the things is that I always knew I could go to any healthcare provider because my mother's, you know, a healthcare mm-hmm. person. So I was always going to my primary care and saying, well, this is what I do. And this is what it is. A lot of gay individuals or LGBTQ plus individuals don't do that. I said, because imagine, again, it's hard to come out to friends and family. Imagine what it's like to have to come out to somebody that you don't know in a very sterile environment. And then somebody that you think, ugh. This old white man or whatever else it is, what are they going to understand about, you know, gay sex or, mm-hmm. you know, this type of questioning or whatever else it is. So literally, there are a lot of gay individuals that they only go see gay friendly, you know, healthcare providers, or mm-hmm. they don't go at all. And a lot of education happens through word of mouth. I think people don't really know that history of when it was trans individuals and trying to get hormones, that they would look in the back of magazines and certain magazines to go get these type of things. So um, I will say again, like I said, it has given me, I think, a benefit when it comes to patients that they feel comfortable with me or I can start a conversation or I'm just that a bit better at picking up body language and languaging that they're using. That I'm like, so let's talk about this because- for some, especially a child or a teen or whatever else it is, it's a lot harder for them to say it than it is for me. So are you having sex with men, women, or both? Are you using condoms? What is this situation with your partner? And it gives them that breath that it's like, it's okay, you're in a a safe place and a safe environment. Not only am I not judging you, but I'm recognizing that this is your situation and i'm going to care for you and if i can't figure it out i will find somebody that can so i look at it as a benefit um there have been only a few instances where again you know people have had an issue but i'm like you'll work it out because (laughs) otherwise you're going to sit here in pain until you do so it is what it is but i'm also one of those people too like I don't walk around and I've gotten a lot of crap for this too, that I don't walk around necessarily always wearing like a rainbow pin or something else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Being gay is who I am. Just like being black. I don't need to announce it every five seconds. I mm-hmm. don't feel like I'm any less gay just because I don't wear a pin that says it, or I have it in my Instagram. You can tell I'm, I'm going to use the language. So I don't feel like I have to shout it out and be pr- proud all in your face. It is what it is. And so mm-hmm. I just keep it as a, this is who I am you figure it out but i'm here to 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 treat you trust me i whatever i'm looking at that you're freaked out about not 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 i'm looking i'm thinking about lunch i'm thinking about lunch i'm thinking about when's my bed time like get in get out like but yeah i mean it's not and maybe that's a bad way of thinking about it but that's not my job my job isn't to make you feel comfortable with my sexuality it's to make you feel comfortable with me as your caretaker, as your practitioner, as your your doctor. That is my job, and that's through my competency of medicine and care. Um, and yes, we have to create a bond and a relationship. But if that's something that you're upset about, yeah, okay, I, I, you know, it's, I love it's, that I hope,
0: attitude. I absolutely like, love I hope it. You got
1: somebody else. I'm like, and I don't know. My my advisor did not like quite like that, but I'm like, that's not my job. I don't. I just don't feel like that's that's it. Like again, you came to my house and you came to my job with an issue. I'll take care of your issue. But hey, if you want, if you got something else that you want to work through, work through it. There's a waiting room and there's plenty of other people that will take your spot. Like that, I don't really have to ask for it. Yeah. Like.
0: So I, I you know, I I think. Thing. I think disclosure, you know, it of course can backfire. I understand that. But I do agree with you so much that it can create that kind of connection between you and the patient. And you can't just, like you say, walk in the room, I'm gay, you know, my name's Jeremy. It doesn't work like that. But like mindfully using this as a therapeutic tool can yeah. be so utterly powerful. Because and, you
1: understand.
2: And you get it. that's
0: so that's my residency answer kind of thing. Mm. Maybe, they'll list, mm. maybe some of the residency uh, program directors are listening to this podcast. That'd be pretty cool. My guess is no. Um, but oh,
1: they'll listen. I bet you they'll listen.
0: <laughs> we'll see. Well, here's my real answer pre- program directors. My future <laughs> career, I don't want to be ashamed of the product of psychiatry service that I'm selling. Mm. I'm literally mm. selling. you know like I'm providing this service you shouldn't be ashamed that you're getting this service, that you're living with this service. You have to probably continually take meds if you have a chronic medical condition, mental Mm -hmm. health condition like I do. You have to continue to see a therapist over time and keep this disorder in check essentially all the time. And you can achieve great things. You can become a doctor. And, you know, I understand that some patients are going to think, Oh, my physician is inadequate because he has bipolar disorder or oh, my physician is inadequate then because he is gay like you said. Uh go to another one. Uh, there's you know I got I got enough people to help. Move on. Plenty, you know. Plenty, so that's my plenty. real answer. Hopefully a program director doesn't rip me off because of that, but you know. Well,
1: but but you're not saying that I won't give you care. That's nothing that I can control. I think those are mm-hmm. those things that it's like there are things that you can control, the things that you cannot. I'm going to give you the best of me. That is the only thing I can control. What you choose to, just like, again, with whether patient compliance, even if you were none of those things, it doesn't say that they're going to take what you've said and actually follow through with it. Who's to say that they will? I can't control that. So why am I not going to, why am I going to be concerned with that aspect? That is nothing that has to do with the way that I dispense my care, my advice, my medical acumen is not at all influenced by this. If it's going to be your hang up, you are correct. You should not see me. If it's going to impede your ability to listen, to take my medical advice because you think of that, you should not see me. But I'm not concerned about that. But I'm also, again, not going to allow your issues to influence me in my life, and I have to prove anything to you. What am I trying to prove to you? Like, why? Mm-hmm. Why does that onus fall on me to prove that this isn't an issue? It's not, I'm telling you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Keep it moving. And so I don't know, I don't know, maybe the older generation I know may think that that's horrible and that's like, a, like, you should be trying to work with them and trying to, I'm here to work through your, your disease and your illness and whatever other thing that's bringing you to me. I, this, is, this is just what it is. Like, this this well, is just what it is.
0: The argument I always hear against disclosure from a psyche, psychiatric perspective all the time, Uh huh. psychiatric perspective, the old school of thought, is I'm holding up a mirror in front of my patient. You're supposed to look at you and analyze yourself and, uh-huh. and kind of that way. And I, and I do agree with that approach in a lot of regards. I do. And so what I've been told is if I'm over here holding this mirror and I'm like, Hey, yo, I'm bipolar. What up? And they're going to have maybe a di- different interpretation. And to that, I say, that's BS. I can mm. still be capable of holding that mirror and respecting that person and walking them through what this healing experience of trying to heal a mental illness is going to be like the same way that you can heal someone's medical condition, whatever area of medicine you choose to go into, as a gay person, that's not right. going to impact it. I don't mean to necessarily equate gay and bipolar by any means, but no. just disclosing something that you don't have to is, is something that's similar.
1: Yeah, it's, it's assuming also that I don't have the ability to separate that and, and this, like, it's not about us. When you're in a healthcare situation, I tell that to anybody, it's not about me. My feelings and whatever else it is, I have to separate them, keep them in check. It's just like when some medical classmates of mine, is like they're crying and whatever, not here. No, 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 no. This is about the patient and how they're feeling. It's not about you. So I can remove this from the equation. What you say as somebody that is living with bipolar and your experience has, completely separate and is completely separate from what you would tell somebody to do in their situation that's what we are trained to do that is what we have the ability to do so that's a thought processing that also doesn't give me credit and so my thing is it's like so you're giving you're trying to say that I can't remove that from the equation or mm-hmm. can you not remove it from the equation because what it is what is it that you see you just see me as a person with bipolar you just see me as a gayber what again That's what you're choosing to digest me as and put me in this box in this category. It's not my fault that I'm not choosing to live in it. Mm-hmm. Like, that, and so a lot of times, and that's, I mean, I'm not on the residency trail yet, so. Uh, but you will I think, be. You will be, be sooner know, right? than you know. Uh, but But those are those things where, again, I have one job, and it is to be the most authentic and genuine person that I am. And if I'm saying it's not a problem, or that I have it in check, or that I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and it will not influence the way that I dispense care, then you're going to have to take me for my word on that. And if this is not the type of attitude that you want or you like, again we wouldn't probably work well anyway because mm-hmm. this is how it is this is how i feel um and so yeah i i think there's just like like dr menopause talking about you know depression and whatever else it is it's just like we gotta let that go we gotta mm. let some of this old thought processing go because unfortunately it is it's the thing that is the reason why you're seeing physicians suicide and burnout and all these things it's trying to forget the fact that physicians and medical students are people. We are people that chose this profession. Mm
2: -hmm. So that
1: means we go through every single thing else everybody else is going through. Heartbreak, joy, you know, anger, sadness, all those things. We just have to do it within a job that also brings a lot of extremes. And we are a very important job, but we are humans nonetheless. So if you would be no more threatened by, you know, the med-kini, med-bikini thing, and just, again, women wearing, you know, bikinis or talking about
3: politics or whatever else. The I-didn't-realize-you-liked-me-that-way deal, because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag.
2: Appreciate you.
4: There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.
3: I haven't really woken up until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the
4: morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary.
3: McDonald's. I'm loving it.
1: Like it it's it all enters in this sphere. Yeah. Like a, a physician is not one thing. We are many things. We but we are at the core human beings and this is a part of my humanness. So don't ask me to not be that because it makes you uncomfortable from these old standards that were created like years ago. And half the time they're doing things that are just whack and like yeah. and shady to begin with. Like the people that are judging you is like, give me like 30 minutes and a couple of drinks in you, you'll spill a lot of information, sir. So like, like, do not judge me. Like, don't you dare because it's, it's, it's pot or kettle. Which one do you want yeah. well, like do?
0: I'm really glad you kind of brought up, you know, social media, the whole med bikini thing. And that's actually kind of the last thing I really wanted to, mm-hmm. to get in the weeds in with you. And, yeah. you know, there was one thing you said on Dr. Manipod's podcast that I want to talk about. But you know, you kind of highlighted like as physicians and really just all healthcare kind of providers like we're through social media now showing more sides of human, right? Just like that we have multifaceted and, and normal human beings. We can post pictures of ourselves with uh for us our shirts off and girls in bikinis. Why not? Mm. Or whatever. Um but you know, my experience with social media, I've I feel like it almost brings me more anxiety or just like unnecessary mm. stress than good things in my life. And mm. so, you know, I, so I just finished um, step two recently, the mm. great test you have. Ahead. It's um, it's much better than step one, dude. So my friend just
1: took hers today. Yeah. Like
0: she just took hers today. She's like, Oh, it was hard, but it makes sense. It's medicine. yes. I it's at like, least okay. reasonable. That other stuff was just like, what, what, like, why is this relevant? This is so right. at least this is like logical. Don't, it's right. a much more enjoyable test. You'll do fine. But that being said, um, you know, so during that period, I actually took a long kind of break from my social media consumption. Um, Mm -hmm. Not that I was like zero, but much, much less because I was really trying to really try to work hard and study. And, you know, I kind of look at now this weird new realm of like med student, physician, nurse, whatever, medical professional Mm -hmm. influencer. And in many ways, I think it's awesome. In many ways, I think it's awful. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people... Okay no not a lot definitely some though i don't know their motivations on why they're doing and behaving the way mm-hmm. on social media that they are and it seems like is this like an attention thing like i don't know their goals but with your page i if you're going to be any kind of healthcare influencer do it like fucking jp dude <laughs> like your page stands for something and like mm. that Is something I really respect and I want to aspire to. And because I think I can be a more effective social media contributor, but also not Mm. get lost up in the consumption of endless scrolling and stupid bullshit. And like, why am I diving down Mm. these rabbit holes of, you know, Porsche 911s that I can't afford anytime (laughs) soon? But, you know, you described in your podcast with Dr. Manipod, and I believe maybe you even wrote it on a blog. I wrote a couple of your blogs you described your relationship with social media as a love letter to myself.
1: Ooh, you, oh God, that was, yeah, I do remember that one. Can you explain that? Ah, I do remember that. that. Uh, God, yeah, ooh, you really did do yours. This is Fucking let's uh, go,
0: boy. Uh, I just finished, uh, I just finished stuff too. So I, I'm still in I like that mode. It. I'm like, I could just work. This is, This is cool. I love it
1: because it's true. And I'm so, th- and I thank you for that because, that is the thing that I started, and people don't really probably know this, that I started my Instagram because of my therapist, because I had gone through a really bad breakup or situation with somebody, okay. and that really broke me down to the lowest of my worth, and she said, you have something to say, and you have an experience to tell. Tell it and be vulnerable, and so, I, and she still can see it to this day. Shout out to Shannon. Um that she can still see my instagram so in the beginning what it would be would be she's like challenge yourself challenge to show your face up close challenge yourself to write about this breakup challenge yourself self to show your body and to share and to do this and i think that is the thing that you hit it right on the head what are people doing this for is it for the things Is it for the scrub companies? And you can easily get lost in that. Trust and believe there are moments that even I've had to be like, okay, you need to step back. You need to step back because your focus has been lost. And, And there are people that are dedicating to what is your growth? What is your whatever else it is? When you're working with companies, it's like, what are you trying to sell? I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm trying to tell you my story and take you along my journey. And, this is, and the thing that I have to do is to be authentic and honest in that storytelling. Because at the end of the day, I am somebody that is going through medical school as a single, gay, black, IMG, whatever else. And that is sometimes the benefits of it, sometimes stressful, tiring, exhausting. And that is something that I think we are so lacking, that people want to put this air of this is great. Like, Sonny, with this case of rainbows, hope you're doing great. Med school mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know how many people, I said some, y- yes, or a few weeks ago, I said, there will be tears. There will be tears in this process. Like, anybody who was sitting there and telling you that this is these these gorgeous flat lays of like their study notes, bullshit. You are full of shit because mm-hmm. it took you longer to make this pretty thing than. To actually study like that is not reality and so like my thing is this i'm like you see a snippet of my life but there is so much work that goes on outside i said because at the end of the day the goal is to get that md and to make my mark that way and so i love social media because i took a break too when i was doing my um i am rotation and i was like mm-hmm. i just need a break i said one because also i never want my reputation on instagram to Overshadow who I am as a person, and residents like attendings like anybody else, they find you, and next thing you know, they start thinking about what you're like and whatever else. And I'm like, oh no 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 no! Like when one of the residents asked me about like figs and scrub, I was like, up ah, and we're done. I said yeah. because that's not what you need to be asking me about in this setting. In this setting, I am Jeremy Scott, medical student here to learn how to take care of a patient. I am not here to talk about. Instagram and all of these other things. And I think the younger generation, and I will say that because I think you cannot put a mature head on young shoulders. I think they easily get lost in it and their identity becomes wrapped in it. Same with being a pre-med, same with being this high achieving individual, like they get wrapped into it and it becomes addicting. The thing that I missed about you know, being on my break, it was connecting and having real conversation. That is what I missed. I miss the people that are like, I look at your story and I feel inspired, or I know that I can, or you made me feel just by dancing with your door, which is the famous door that I dance in the morning mm-hmm. off of. Oh, uh, those you know, are awesome, that,
2: you, they're you know, hilarious, but th- th-
1: These are those things that I'm like, it brings me joy. It brings me joy connecting and making it. That's why people are always so surprised that with my following, and it's not like I have that much. That I will respond to every comment, every DM, every as long as it's appropriate. Um, even the inappropriate ones. I yeah, I was uh, like, come on, uh, the, like even the inappropriate ones. <laughs> yeah. Usually those involve pictures and other things too. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, but I respond because that's what I came here to do, which was to tell my story. To sometimes like flush it out. Like, if you've ever read my post, my posts are never that fluffy, whatever stuff. Like, that's just not how I write. Um, Because again, like I said, it's a love letter to myself about this journey that I am going through and my experience, good and bad. If you take something from it, great. But that's not my goal. My goal isn't to um, bring you in and, oh, this is the photo. Like, I hate taking photos. People are like, Mm -hmm. they're always surprised when they're like, oh my God, who took your photos? What are they... That's an iPhone. That took five seconds to do. I have the attention span of like a four-year-old that I'm like, (coughs) we got to do this. I got a big forehead. It sweats. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like that. Like, I don't like this, this idea of like what a medical student is taking a picture in the hospital. I would never, I -hmm. would never, because if I'm sitting there taking a picture in a hospital, I'm not focused on what I'm in the hospital to do, which is to be a med student. And I would die if An attending or somebody else saw me do that because then it's like while you were taking that photo, you could have been looking up that one thing that could have maybe saved somebody or to answer this question or to do whatever. So, I think you have to really separate yourself and know what your goal is of what you're trying to do. The other things will come, you know. I never went into this thinking that I would get a scrub, you know, ambassadorship and I'd be doing this and that. And I have wonderful advisors that, you know, and great friends too, that they are not, you know, they are not impressed. They humble the shit out of me all the time. They're like, oh, this is what we're doing. Oh, we're we're talking about this. I said, but <laughs> so they're always there and check and checking me one hundred percent. Um but it is. I think there is this need for attention. There's this need for um gratification and that there's worth in I'm an ambassador for this company and I'm a this and I'm like that is not what I have done or wanted this to be about. Um, It has been about connecting. It is about growing and learning. Um, I also have rules with it because I think we're all type A people. So like I have rules about how long I'm allowed to stay on it. Um, When I post, what I see, I'm all about a block and like, I don't wanna look at your crap. I don't wanna read that. And you can call it filtering all you want, Mm -hmm. but it is because I know what my bandwidth can handle like i know what i can and can't do i love a good pimple pop so i'll go into that category for like hours i love a good like chiropractor cracking session i'm like i love it um but i think i really try and stick with the things that are authentic the people that are authentic because i think instagram and social media it can be a great avenue for discussion, it can be a great connector. Again, like this, this is how we met through this. Yeah. My one of my best friends, um, Staff Sergeant MD PhD Adrian, we met through Instagram. Uh, found out that her husband and I went to the same high school. That he was a senior when I was a freshman. The same oh. year as my brother. Oh, this was all through. We found it out later, and that you know, I go over to her house on Christmas, and I pick up her children, and I said. So there are things that can come out of this that are genuine and good and you can make so much difference and have a voice if you choose that to be what it is. And I don't fault people who do it for, you know, I'm pretty. Yay. You're, you're searching for something too. It's just not what I'm searching for. And it's not my purpose. Um, and so I'm not gonna necessarily reward you for it. I mean, I thirst trap like everybody else does. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm a human being. But I think that's such an important thing like you said, what is your purpose and why do you wanna do it? Uh, and then knowing what your value and integrity, because I think there are certain things that it's like people will sell themselves you know, up the river to sell and to, for somebody else to achieve their dream and their goal. I know what my goals have always been. It's never been to just sell your product. I'm selling your dream when I do that. I'm helping you achieve your goals. What are you going to do to help me get to mine? And I don't wanna work with somebody that wants to just use my likeness to sell their product or to sell their image and whatever else. I'm not stupid. I know that this is a business. There's a business aspect to medicine. There's a business aspect to everything. And it goes back to what do you see your worth and your value? If you think that you're all you're good for is to sell this scrum and I get this company and this is, it's like the cool kids at lunch. I was never one of the cool kids to begin with. So I don't need to belong to everything. I don't need to belong to that or I did belong to it and I don't want to do it anymore. Why? Because they don't stand for what I stand for. And you have to be about more than, you have to be about bigger than for me to involve myself with you. Just because again, I know my worth and I know what I want to achieve. And I know who I want to influence, which we don't use that word. Uh, okay, it's a horrible word, but mm-hmm. that is what it is. So I think it has its benefits. And you have to really have yourself in check when you're in this world, because it, it, it can go very quickly. And you're like, Oh, crap. Um, but there is so much good that can come from it. And I have really been able to make such beautiful connections and do more than i ever thought like again talking about mental health on a bigger platform showing that it's okay that you can be lgbtq plus and do this you can have your convictions and stand in a movement and a pandemic and be about something it is everything that i have wanted and i do it with those guidelines and principles that Shannon first set into me, that it was like, you do this by being honest and authentic to you and you tell your story and you do that. And I, the day that I don't wanna do that anymore or the day that I think I have really sold out, I I sold out, that's when I will stop doing it. Um, Mm -hmm. But you also have to know that those things, I'm like, it's not real life. Like it's a snippet of somebody's day. There is so much that is going on.
0: But I, I feel, I feel you are really in eff- making an effort to try to make it real. Like you said, you're trying to make those connections with people, commenting uh, or responding to comments or whatever. You know, messaging with people, mm-hmm. and that that is something I need to spend my bandwidth on significantly more. You know, my I feel my relationship with social media is more. I post something and I still feel like I put too much freaking time and energy into that. And I still even make typos and, you know, my <laughs> pictures aren't amazing. You know, and I am just like, that takes energy. And then I feel like if I have, you know, those 10 minutes in a day, you know, you're taking a poop or whatever, you're scrolling through Instagram, looking at stupid bullshit. I mean, like I love golf, I love cars, but I don't need to be, you know, grilled to that. And if I can make more of an effort to try to connect with people, you know, I even mentioned it earlier on the show, like I don't even really know my audience very well kind of thing. Mm. And and I think that's something that you're doing really, really well. And like taking a stand for something Mm. and, you know, it really kind of got me thinking, you know, my, I I agree with you. I think a lot of good can come out of social media. This whole, Mm. everything started for me when I posted on YouTube in 20, 13, this, my Mm -hmm. story of bipolar disorder. And at that point I was in insurance sales and like hated Mm -hmm. my job with a passion and I was awful at it. It was just Mm -hmm. all bad. Um, And, you know, but the rest is history. And, but in that experience, you know, that YouTube video kind of went like mini viral in a sense, not huge mm. but mini viral and it's so easy to get addicted to the numbers of all of this
1: yes seeing yeah.
0: that growth like yesterday oh. i just yesterday yeah yesterday i just posted that children's book like i mentioned right mm-hmm. i can't tell you how many times today i noticed me checking oh whoa, oh shit that's w- so many likes that's so cool like getting myself that little dopamine rush why like why it's it, like monkey brain shit like why right. am i doing this mm-hmm. and it's, it's something that, you know, If both of us maybe even go into child psychiatry. I do think that the younger generation is so susceptible to falling yes. down this and just being, like you said, addicted, addicted to just simply the numbers, that little dopamine yes. rush, that little, and, and kind of every, like you said, even then making money off maybe your Instagram page or just right. in our society, making the most of money. Like, but if you can stand for something more and different Mm-hmm. It's such. I hope it's more a more gratifying experience for you. It's more gratifying yeah. for me on this end as a consumer of the work you're putting out because it it mm-hmm. just like you said feels real, not stupid mm-hmm. bullshit. Yeah, and
1: and it's funny because it's it's so funny how I, I I tell people how I do things when it's like most of the time when I write things like my post today I'm like they're like how do you get inspired porcelain. when I'm sitting on the toilet, doing whatever else, that's when I'm writing. And then when I post something, that's literally the day that I don't look at my phone. When I post something, I throw my phone away. And then I set up times that I'm like, I'm only going to look at it at three o'clock or five o'clock. Like if people pay attention, like I set it up like it is slightly a job. Why? I can be present to this at five o'clock. Between that and this, I got real shit to do because, oh wait, I'm a medical student. (laughs) Like I got things to do and I tell anybody the moment that this starts to influence in my real life and my real interactions with people oh no 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 because this is a snippet of it like this is a snippet of it but it cannot impact and impede on what I am really doing and the day that that happens or the day that again you're you're so focused on the numbers like literally I have a conference called tomorrow with you know, people from, you know, the team that I work with, that that's their job. You can tell me, oh, well, your post that you write about this do a lot better, or you need to come up with a a media deck so that people can pay you. Nobody pays me for anything. So that's the other thing, too. I treat this because like my advisor told me from undergrad, and she's still my advisor to this day, because I love her and trust her. She said, you treat it like you are an athlete. Don't receive funds, you don't know how people are gonna use this against or could use it that you're receiving money and this whatever else. It's okay to receive goods and whatever else, but do not let monetary things come into your, your, your bank account. Don't let that exchange happen as a medical student because it's the easiest way for someone to bring up your ethics and question, oh, so if I pay you, you'll do this. None of this was of your own choosing. Make it so that every single thing that you do is of your choosing and of your choice. It is not dictated to you because of, you make me post when I post, you make me do X, Y, and Z because you paid me. She said, don't do it. She said, do not ever let yourself do that and always restrict yourself to no more than five things. She said, because when you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. She said, so at the end of the day, you have to look at yourself like you are a brand. You have to look at yourself for all those things she said, but don't cheapen yourself. You don't cheapen yourself for the highest bidder or for this over here. And you see people do it all the time. It's like, what the hell business do I have talking about like granola bars? Like, mm-hmm. if you follow me, you know I drink to, I, I eat to Lenti and I drink my, my wine and I do what I need to do. Like, I'm not going to sit over here and talk about healthy stuff. It's not that I've not been approached by that. That's inauthentic. It's inauthentic to who I am as a person. I'm sure it is healthy. I don't eat like that all the time. I eat mm-hmm. my burgers. I eat whatever. I try to eat healthy. Again, I'm single. I gotta keep it right and tight right now. And then I can let that go. Uh, I get fappy as soon as I get somebody. Uh, but but those are those things where you do, you have to understand what your purpose is. And it goes back to that, I think. you know What is your purpose? What do you want to do? It's addicting to get the likes and the dislikes, but I would much rather you unfollow me if you don't stand for LGBTQ plus rights. If you don't think black lives matter, if you don't like to talk about mental health and the importance of that, I'd much rather you turn me off and not follow me because this is who I am. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what inspires and drives me. And it's not to say that I don't like other things that are opposite. And I appreciate, you know, comments and criticisms that are different than mine. I 100% do. But this is who I am. This is what that drives my soul of what I want to do. And like you said, it is about making that difference and getting rid of stigmas and making it seem possible and okay. And that's what it has to be about. And so you have to stay true to that and not get sidetracked. And you have to have a little bit of tunnel vision because it does feel slightly nice. But I'm like, of course, if you're half naked, you're going to get more likes than my yeah. post over here talking about like, you know, my hands being built and building something and change. Um, of course, if you're, you know, don't want to read a lot and you're going to like somebody's post that it's sunny with a case of rainbows, smile today, it's Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, like, sure. and that that's okay but you're not the audience for me and i'm also not the person that you know i'm not trying to reach you that's Mm -hmm. also not you know who i'm trying to reach and i'm okay with that you know because sometimes it's good to know who your audience is but the other thing is it will it change what you do that's Mm -hmm. the thing that i i struggle with sometimes in knowing those type of statistics it's like oh well your audience is mostly female they're mostly from this does that mean I need to start catering to you? Like, am I going to change my content of what I put out or what I say to appease you because that'll bring in more of those people? Like, then it starts to become about that and less about authentic storytelling. And, you know, for for me, uh, I can't. Same with like color schemes and all that other stuff. Like, people like, oh, they like you when you're in blue or they like you when you're wearing color.
0: Oh, this is my uh, wardrobe
1: oh yeah. oh i mean it's a little bit of things that you're like you really have people that spend their day looking at this yeah you analyze that
0: like i didn't even know that was a data point
1: literally you have people like i will sit down and talk to somebody about this all tomorrow about like when yeah. you post at this time and all this i'm like why did you post today i was sitting on the toilet and i felt inspired to post today so that's what i did yeah <laughs> if, if, if it makes sense it makes sense if you like it you like it i don't It's not to say that I don't care, but I wrote it for me. I wrote and I'm doing this for me. The little black, former fat kid, gay person that struggles some days to love himself, love his skin, love who he is. I do it for me. Because sometimes I need that reminder. I need that reminder to show that I am not that former fat kid. I am not that ugly duckling. I am not Not worthy because I'm an IMG. I do it for me. So that's what goes back to again, it's a love letter to myself that you are a wonderful person that is trying and striving. You are imperfect, but in your imperfection, you are still beautiful and you are still worthy. So that is why I do and write what I write and post what I post because that person needs to hear it. That person needs to see it and needs that reminder. And that is what it is, because I was told I wasn't going to be a good writer as a kid. You'll never be a good writer. You'll never be a good physician. You're never this. You're never that. I am proving it wrong. Some days that I look at, you know, and when you said that, it was just, it brought me to a place because I said the things that I love the most sometimes about my Instagram are not the ones that get the biggest posts, but those are the things that I love and bring me so much joy. And that statement alone um brings me so much joy. That that is I remember saying it, I remember writing it. Um, it was it was it,
0: beautiful phrase. <laughs> perfectly so, said. I, I
1: I I appreciate that because that is what makes me so happy. That yeah. is the that is and I don't even know if that what that post was or wherever it was, if it got likes, it didn't, but that is something that I just needed to say for me, and I'm glad it resonated. So Yeah. yeah.
0: No, it was I mean, and it really made me think not I mean I guess I guess podcasting is a form of social media. It I
1: don't is, really I guess I give yeah. you so much credit because
0: it, it, it <laughs> made me think about my relationship with this podcast is my therapy kind of now. Mm. And my love letter to myself kind of thing. Because at the beginning of the at the beginning of my advocacy, it was me telling the same story over and over and over and over and over. And I got exhausted and just like, mm. it was good and it still brought me joy. But what I realized is so much more having other people share their stories.
2: Mm.
1: And
0: it's... go ahead. No, no, I love it. I'm, well, I'm like... and sharing other people's stories, but now what I'm kind of realizing, you know, so your episode 71, something like that. I think 71 depends, depends who's releases first, but um, I'm realizing it how it's developing me as a person and a future doctor, you know, In may I'll be a doctor and it's in improving my ability to communicate, to, to listen, really mm-hmm. to listen, mostly to ask questions. Like we're always taught like open, ask open-ended questions, not the easy, the easy ones. No, I'm not going to yeah. give you that easy, you know, ask the ones that really kind of make you think and pause and, and think full, through a full it's, it's helped me maybe not interrupt people when they're, they're in their process. And really the only number that I care about anymore is episodes. Like how many mm. episodes can I get to? How many reps can I get in? Because I absolutely love Joe Rogan. He's on like, I don't know, 1500 mm. episodes. And, you know, I don't love every single thing that he does. I don't love everything That he even says or his thoughts Mm. and that's okay i can still like and respect some of his stuff and that's what i hope my podcast is kind of evolving into i know not everyone's going to agree with my stance Mm -hmm. or whatever and that's That's fine but the more reps i can get in that's my love letter to myself kind of thing
1: and and you're learning and growing like you said in this one interview there are moments and i can see it you know for those who aren't watching it that there are moments that you thought about something you learned something new, you had something that was an uncomfortable moment that you had to work through, that again, you are evolving as a person with one single conversation that will influence so many other aspects of your life. So in that respect, like you said, it's doing what you maybe never even intended it to be and thought it could be, but it is making you better. And so that's one of the things that I always tell people, altruism, I don't believe in that, this whole idea of we give for nothing. It's fine. I'm doing this for me as much as to get something out of it that somebody else is getting something you know, from it. But that is what this is about, because it will make us better. It will make you better. There's no way that you can go through and have 71 different conversations and not be better and not be somebody that is more learned, more caring, more thought provoking, more just intuitive or whatever else it is. Because again, and especially with, you know, COVID and whatever else, you're getting to talk to somebody that's from someplace else, that has a different background, that does whatever else it is, and you're putting it out there. And so it is a beautiful thing that you get to do. And I like I said, I give you credit because I don't like the the work that goes into a podcast, bless bless It's not that
0: much. You should do Uh, it.
1: uh, uh, I bless you. I'm going to stay in my one lane and, and, I, and do that. I stay because that's the other thing two people are like, Oh, do you do TikTok? And Can you do it? Hell no. I mm-hmm. stick to one lane because I'd rather do one really, really well than to do all these different things really shitty yeah. and just half ass it. And so if I'm going to dedicate my time, which our time is our greatest currency as medical students, I'm going to do it doing something that I love, that challenges me, that I'm not necessarily good at. People think all the time, it's like, are you good at this? Hell no, I am making a lot of this up (laughs) as I go. Like what worked, what didn't? Uh, I don't really know, but I'm doing it because again, it brings me joy and it brings me something. It makes me better. And so this is 100% your form of a love letter, your way of growth that is yours. And if it even reaches five people or 105 people, would you still not love it just the same? Mm-hmm. Would it change whether you would do it or not? Maybe it would change you do it more often or something like that. But like the love that you have for it would not change. You're yeah. doing it for you. And that's great. And that's what it should be about. It's okay to do it for you and for your reasons. And explain that to no one. But to then be lost and get lost in the other aspects. It's just, it's why, again, I go back to children. Because in medicine, children are hopeful. They don't know statistics. They know, will this make me well? Will this make me better? And I think we have enough research out there that shows when you believe in your care and you believe that you will get better, it does reflect how your outcome is. As adults, we look at statistics and whatever else and we go in, if it's only a 25% chance or whatever, that 100% frames how we respond to treatment, whether we do treatment or not. But children don't know that. They have a belief of this will make me better. This will do good for me. I can do this. That is why and what you need to focus on. I do this because it makes me feel whole. It fills a part of me that is missing or lacking in some way in other aspects of my life. It brings me joy. It makes me better. And for that, I don't care if two people do it. I'm doing it because it that's what I need for me. And that is what makes me better. And mm-hmm. like you said, it goes back to affecting so many other aspects of your life and the ripple effect is right there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's what we're, I think, what we want to do or at least that's what I hope to do in my life is to always be growing and doing that and the day that I don't want to do that hopefully I'm old and crotchety and like screw it I'm done (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, but but at 33 mm -mm. I've not yet done my greatest thing I have not even gotten close to my best and so I'm working on it and doing it and I again I thank you for this because it's been a great conversation like it's what I mean, we've been chopping
0: it up almost two hours now without a breath. I mean, we've been killing it. Um, I I love it. And you know what made me just kind of think in my own head? See, you're a naturally really good podcaster (laughs) for a reason you're not going to realize. You didn't have to pee over the last hour and 50 minutes. Shut it down. Shut it down. Champion.
2: (laughs) Champion. See, you're
0: already trained. That's like half of podcasting right there. Yeah, if you can do that as a podcaster, an amateur podcaster, you got it. You'll be good. um well dude i think that's a good place for us to kind of conclude you're definitely coming on again i'm not (laughs) asking you're coming um hopefully i hope and i really really do it's not under the the similar timing circumstances as it is now i Mm -hmm. really really if you don't match in that year that is going to be the biggest loss of the 2022 match year. it's just it's idiotic to me that we have a match system like this, where in a world that needs doctors, we don't have enough spots to train doctors yet. We have a surplus of students. It's just like, what,
1: this is that's a whole podcast on its own
0: yeah (sighs) so next episode follow-up episode we'll dive into the weeds on that one because yeah whatever but either way this has been a fantastic conversation i've really enjoyed talking to you no no silences nonetheless um (laughs) well hell yeah dude well i wish you the best um we'll reconnect soon and thanks again for coming on
1: uh, absolutely we have to take a picture for our the, the for the so the the whole social aspect so you gotta smile for the i always tell people you know, do i look today. good
0: jp <laughs>
1: you this is this is going in the video this is a oh it's a video, video. <laughs> this is wonderful just finishing up with logan noon on his podcast be on the lookout everybody it's been oh, yeah two I'm hours this awesome conversation i'm
0: getting this bad boy out soon because it was such an awesome conversation yeah, absolutely i don't even know if they can hear that
1: because now i'm in
0: with earpods oh, but i don't oh. care
1: it's gonna be a great i got podcast, my mouth guys <laughs> oh that was perfect that was all great. right
0: my man <laughs> hey dude you enjoy your night all right thank you you too
1: i'm like oh yeah i'm watching rnc for the last uh, night <laughs> i'm oh, gonna I can't. start drinking
3: there right, there we go you. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.